Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly dee. Smack him a gob. I'm Mark Alden Taylor, and with me is... Oh, yeah, Lee Gershman. Hi, no, Ralph. You're not Lee Gershman. You're Ian Wadley, and I hate the fact that you have people agree with you when they don't agree with you, but they're just doing it to be your sheep. Yeah, well, you know, I'm kind of a big deal. Yeah. And by that, I mean fat. But I'm uh, funny. I, I'm funny. Laugh. Ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> snort, snort a fucking edible. Laugh. Uh, but we have a special guest with us today. Oh my God! Yes. He's Tell no me stranger to this show, no stranger to the Facebook page. It is the one, the only Ryan T. Russell. How you doing? Yeah, brother? great guys. Very, very excited to uh, join you again. It's been a minute. And you know, you know, Ryan T. Russell is also no stranger to danger. That's right. <laughs> I, I gotta ask though, what does the T stand for? Uh, Danger. Just, you know, it's funny. I mean, I, I I don't even remember that I put that in when I made up my Facebook page. I just never touched it. It's not like I really ever refer to myself as Ryan T. Russell. But in, you know, your guys' group and in the, uh, you know, RMCP uh, world, I think everybody knows Ryan T. Russell, which is kind of funny. The T yeah. stands for, the T stands Terrence. for danger. It's actually Terrence. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> the T stands for danger. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's funny because, you know, Mark Alden Taylor put his up, you know, as Mark Alden Taylor, because there was a, a Mark Bartholomew Taylor who was good, you know, was a good <laughs> podcaster. Mark didn't want to be confused with him, so he changed it to Alden, you know. Uh, yeah. So, there's said, a reason for everything. He's the funny one. He drinks. Yeah, he drinks. Laugh! <laughs> laugh, I'm funny. Damn it. Why doesn't anybody laugh at my stuff? While Give me I'm a really five star funny. review. Yeah, yeah, leave me a yeah, yeah, that's another one. Everybody, leave me a five star review. Come on. <laughs> but you know what? I gotta, I gotta give it to Mark though. At least he just asks, like, you know, please leave a five star review. At least he doesn't ask, listen to the show, you know, because that <laughs> yeah, is yeah, yeah. You know, that is you know, that, that is nice. <laughs> Anybody can make up a review, but nobody wants to listen to that shit. You know? Yeah, that's that's how Mark should write stuff. Look, look, don't listen to us. Just give us a positive review, please. I'm not oh. asking you to suffer through our show. Just say you like it. That's all. Although, uh, something. Uh, hopefully this will help his numbers out. But I don't know. Ralph, you've done this, and I don't know if it's helped that much. But maybe I can help out a little bit. I will be guesting on... Uh, I, I don't know... What, I, I didn't know what the difference is between this BS sessions and, and the free form or whatever, whatever thing he does. I'm going to go on there and review a Sammy Hagar album, musical oh, chairs. See that I'll listen to. So this is yeah. already scheduled. Uh, well, you know, I haven't confirmed the date yet, but, but I, I mean, I agree. I'm going to do it. I, I'm terrible. I can't wait for that. Yeah. I'm terrible about guessing on other people's show and it has nothing to do with like, um, 
you know, ego or anything like that, or, you know, I'm too, no, it's, it all has to do with time. You know, I, I find, you know, and Ralph and I have been knocking out so many episodes, and of course this is number one priority, uh, but I don't mind guesting on other people's, but it is, you know, just to find the time. Can I give you a word of advice, Ian, yes. before you go on yes. that show? I did the same, I went on Mark's show once, and we reviewed Van Halen's Balance. Now, I highly suggest you prepare for that show like a prepare for Van Halen Balance. What I did for the Van Halen Balance show, I didn't listen to that album at all. <laughs> so don't listen to Sammy Hagar album. Don't, don't. Oh. Just make fun of the titles. <laughs> oh, I, no, I, I, I don't know. I want to have such good material. I, I'm going to torture myself. I'm going to listen to it. And the funny thing is... Uh, you know, Musical Chairs is the vinyl that he bought for us at Rock and Pod, and we had right. everybody sign it. Uh, you know, we drew the dicks on there, and well, actually, I, I, and I <laughs> we just traced them. Those dicks were already on the cover. Uh, but uh, you know, just laughing, you, me, and Chuck Charles listened to like the first track when we went home. We went on YouTube and listened to it, and we were laughing at how horrible it was. And uh, Mark's like. Oh, oh, that album's not good. I'm like, yeah, as opposed to what? Uh, <laughs> he's done. It's like, oh, yeah, oh, just conveniently, this isn't the good Sammy Hagar. Yeah, so yeah. I, yeah, I can't wait for the joke. Because one thing um, that I don't like is when, you know, you, you say something sucks, that's not good enough for me. I mean, you got to come up with, you know, a, why it sucks. How look, it sucks. Look, how look, if somebody, if somebody was to tell you, Musical chair sucks, and that somebody is a fan of OU812. Are you gonna trust that judgment? <laughs> I don't trust anybody who likes Sammy Hagar. I don't trust one word out of their fucking mouth. Yeah, me you know, neither. That that's why I was surprised when we met his wife. I'm like, yeah, sure, you got a wife. <laughs> you know, you like Sammy Hagar. Yeah. Well, yeah. Ian, when you do your research for that episode, you should start with just printing up or you know, looking up the lyrics to each song. You will get ninety percent of your jokes from the lyrics, and half of them write themselves. So you don't even have to. Oh, oh, I, I'm sure. I'm sure it's going to make me even funnier than I already am. <laughs> I, I, I mean, come on, I, I, you know. I, I consider myself a funny guy. You know, my idols are like you know Carlin, Pryor, Bruce, uh, you know Chappelle. But I mean, who's funnier than Sammy Hagar? I mean, my, you know, my influences are. Uh, uh, Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, Bill Hicks, and Mark Alden Taylor. <laughs> yeah. Bill Hicks rules. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, he rules, but Mark's better. <laughs> yeah. And, and Mark's influences are uh, Sammy Hagar, Jeff Foxworthy, and uh, Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> and, 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 uh, and, and Skippy from Family Ties. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So that'll be that'll be a hoot. So you know, if you really hate yourself, check out my appearance on Freeform or BS, it, whatever it's, the fuck. Yeah, it's probably it's probably Freeform because I don't think BS does albums. I may be wrong, but I don't think they do albums. And, and the funny thing is, when I was uh, when I committed to doing this, uh, Chuck Charles, who is part of Manson, who is part of, uh, you know, whatever, Freeform or, or all the, you know, whatever BS and shit. He's like, yeah, uh, I'm just going to let you and Mark do that one. So it might just be a one-on-one, -on -one, me and Mark. And I, 
And I don't blame the other guys. Like, no, I got something to do that day. I don't want to listen to San Diego. I still say, you don't listen to that album, man. You're fucking funny, dude. You don't need material from that album. Just Lyr- the, the, Lyrics just, alone. No, just just look at album title. That's it. Just the album title. That's yeah, all you got to look at. Sometimes you need that anger. I mean, could Luke cut off Vader's hand? You know, yeah, if you but, didn't feel but, that but fucking Ian, anger. You know? Ian, Ian, but understand. Nobody's going to hear that episode, so what does it matter? Just talk <laughs> about the fucking titles. Well, actually... Ralph, that might be one episode that gets some some uh, listens from you know all of the senators in our group. No, well, I did the episode and I didn't do shit. <laughs> well, I, and the great thing is, though, as soon as I do it, I'm going to share. I'm going to join all these Sammy pages and share. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just yeah. so those those bitches know where I stand. All five and, of them. And plus, you'll be the first one to ever share a Freeform Rock podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a couple summers ago, uh, the, I go to the M3 Music Festival every year. It's only a couple hours from here. It's all cheese metal and stuff from the 80s. Um, and me and a bunch of guys tailgate in the parking lot before the, the show just started literally picking out random Sammy songs from his solo era. And just reading the lyrics. And we were literally in tears, like pissing our pants. <laughs> we were laughing so hard at how fucking bad the lyrics were. I mean, Man, I, I, I remember I remember I read on, on my YouTube page, I read lyrics from OU812. And there's one line in there where he's talking about some chick. He's like, straight up to her lunch pail. <laughs> I, yes. I shit you I think, not. That's what he said. I straight up to her lunch pail. I think that's a sucker in a three-piece. I don't know. I don't yeah. know titles. And I know there was another one. Um, oh, I, I want what I wanted. It's like, what, what like I eat what I'm eating? He is just... Oh. He's the worst, dude. He's, and he's he won't just, shut the fuck up. Oh, no, no, I, I continue to... And, and it, and, but the thing is, I got to hand it to Sammy. Because this is the truth. Sammy goes everywhere and he says stuff like we sold more when we were when we were Van Hagar. We we sold more albums, blah blah. And dude, so many people look, Mark Alden Taylor even believed it years ago till I set him straight. And just today, I forgot the guy's name, he wrote, Yeah, they did sell more. Why does this guy think Sammy Hagar sold more? Because Sammy Hagar says it all the time that you believe it. You know what I mean? Yeah, there was a post on one of the one of the you know conglomerate groups on Facebook where somebody had posted an old article of Sammy saying that, and like in the I just looked at the comment section on the website, not even on Facebook, and literally three or four people in that comment section were saying, "Well, Sammy Zara did sell more." Yeah. That's my point. People believe this shit. People are morons. <laughs> well, uh, close. well, there's people in Kentucky now, you know, like, uh, you know, and, and yeah, I'm picking on Kentucky. Uh, but you could substitute Ohio, too. Uh, you know, Morgan Wallen just beat Metallica for the number one album. <laughs> That's like saying Morgan Wallen's bigger than Metallica. Yeah. You know, come on. Come on, and, and let's see over the, the length of a career, who has a longer career, and what album sells more. You know, it's like, come on. You know? But yeah, just, people believe anything. If you'll yeah, listen it, to that shit, you'll believe anything. Yeah, because you won't do the research. Like, Mark, 
Mark was Mark is a prime example of these people that believe anything Sammy says, because I, you know, I set him straight. He's like, no way. And then I even I even did the bonus round where I said, hey, Mark, by the way, did you know David Lee Roth three albums? He he made three albums that sold more than all of Sammy's twenty albums. He didn't believe that either. I had to show him proof on that. Yeah. Why? Why? Because Sammy told Mark, "Hey, Mark, I sold more in Van Halen than I did, you know, than Dave did." Oh, of course you did, boss. <laughs> <laughs> but, but again, we're dealing with Mark here, you know. Yeah. And, and Mark, I love you, but this guy swears up and down, and you can find this post on Facebook. He beat fucking COVID by shoving a fifth of fireball up his ass and doing a handstand. And that, and and that's how he beat COVID, you know. <laughs> I have to try that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but just don't eat the bottle like fucking Mark did. He 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 beat COVID, but he still got no views. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> He's a yeah he, he he beat COVID, but not the algorithm. <laughs> yeah. Hey, everybody, we got a hundred views. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's him 99 times clicking on it oh nobody watched oh, nobody watched <laughs> <laughs> yeah, facts are uh, oh shit alright well uh, let's get into the news shall we do it sure. uh, well Iron Maiden and Soundgarden barely made the top 5 for the fan pick for Rock and Roll Hall of Fame but the winner the winner was George Michael the fans <laughs> want George Michael in there not Iron Maiden or Soundgarden George Michael's from rock and roll it yeah, is and, and, and I am a George Michael fan I will I'll go on record uh, but god damn uh, Maiden and Soundgarden were beaten by George Michael Cindy Lauper and Warren Zevon. And if you look at the drop-off in the votes, it's like, oh my God. But hopefully most of you are like all of us, and we didn't vote for this shit. <laughs> we're like, nah, we're good. I mean, you guys know Soundgarden's one of my favorite bands. I would even think of going down that side. Well, I, I went in there and I voted for George Michael. <laughs> <laughs> George I got Michael, a... no wonder you like George Mark Michael, because He's like a, a boy band, like Duran Duran. Yeah. Hey, I not only voted for George Michael, I got our bots to vote for George Michael the same way we won the fucking uh, Kings of the Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I Shout out to Zach Attack. Seven, I had at least seven different usernames that I was going <laughs> I, I went in under fucking Wadzilla T. Russell. <laughs> That's what I did. Uh but, uh, yeah, so, so they ain't getting in this year. All right, well, Alice Cooper kicked off his Too Close for Comfort tour in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. Uh, I wonder if Jeff Beers was there. Yeah! <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. Because he would have told you that concert is rad. Yeah. Uh, oh, man, but uh, i got to say, I, I, I was liking the set list that I saw. Uh, pretty good for Alice. The first time you ever played Lock Me Up. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. Uh, Heavy 70s? Uh, let's see. I, I'll, I'll run through it real quick. Fuck it. I can read fast. 
Lock me up, no more Mr. Nice Guy. I'm 18 under my wheels. Bed of nails, billion dollar babies, fallen in love, snake bite. For the first time since 1991, I guess a track off of Hey Stupid. I hated that album. Uh, Be My Lover, Lost in America, Hey Stupid, Drum Solo, Welcome to My Nightmare, which surprisingly, first time performed since 2017, Cold Ethel, Only Women Bleed, Poison, Feed My Frankenstein, Black Widow Jam, Ballad of the White Fry, I Love the Dead, Escape, Schools Out, and an Encore of Elected. And yeah. good. Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, there are some clunkers on that set list, but it's yeah, all right. Yeah, but you're always oh, getting yeah. some of that schlock from the 80s. Uh, but what I what I love though, I mean, of course, you know, being a huge fan of, of Cooper, particularly, you know, the Alice Cooper group, this is a seventy four year old man performing a twenty four song set list. I mean yeah. fucking A. Fucking A. And and you know, Ralph and I, uh, I don't know if you have Ryan, uh we've both seen this, you know, the current band that he has. Uh, you know, they perform amazingly. Alice is it, is it back with him? Yes, she is back. She's amazing. She is so amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh... Yeah, I actually got to look at dates. I don't know if he's coming around here. Yeah, I don't think he's coming around me either, but, uh... But, God damn, I mean, you know, like, the last... The first concert I ever saw was the Constrictor Tour, uh, you know, and I saw him twice on the, uh, Motley Crue Farewell Tour. I mean, this, this guy just... Is amazing. Now, now if you can just transfer that into a good new studio album, I'll be happy. So we'll see about this new one. You know. Yeah, we'll see. I ain't holding my breath. Bob Ezrin's involved. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I mean, I'm 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 kind of a '70s only uh, Alice fan. I don't like much of his stuff outside of the '70s. Yeah, understandable. You know, and, and and you know everybody's different. I, Ralph, I believe you like the uh, the blackout era, and I'm not. I'm not a no, 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 no. I, I I'm I'm a I'm an Alice Cooper group guy, though I do love the blackout era. But no, Alice Cooper group. For, now I don't like the first two albums. I'm talking Love to Death, uh, Killer. Yeah. You, you know, Billion yeah. Dollar Babies. That is my favorite Alice. That, oh, that gotcha. section. And I, did love, you guys, I love that shit. Did you guys see? Uh, they're putting out. They look amazing and uh, really good. Uh, looks like a really good set list. Uh, they're putting out anniversary editions this year of Killer and Schools Out on on 180 gram vinyl. Oh, I'm e- getting that because I don't have. Uh, that. Yeah, and each one comes with a uh, with a full concert too as bonus discs. I believe they're both three album sets. Uh, yeah, I definitely got to get that. I my my, you know, it's wild. My Alice Cooper Killer album signed by Alice twice, inside and the outside. And I didn't even tell him to do that. Isn't but he that signed. Your favorite? Yeah, that's my favorite Alice album, Killer. Definitely yeah, I remember, by I remember by, you by far, actually by far. I mean, that shit can't be touched. It's amazing, you know. Yeah, a billion dollar babies is probably mine, but they're both great. Uh, and I love, you know, I even love. Uh, the second one, goddamn, I'm having a brain fart. Uh, easy, easy action. Yeah, love easy action. Yeah, uh, I couldn't get into that. But uh, yeah, man, I mean that's the that's the shit to me. And I would love to see like a deluxe version of Muscle of Love because I really do love that album. And I have uh, 
a vintage copy of that with the cardboard box and everything. Yeah, I have that as well. It, I mean, it's it's a it's in fairly good condition, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. But I would love to see a new one, like you know, and and you know, like a schools out with the panties and stuff would be awesome. I know I'm a, probably a bigger fan of schools out than URL, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I like it, but I don't think it's as good as the other ones. Yeah, I agree. Right. That and I'd say, I say the same thing about Muscle Love. Muscle Love and School's Out for me, they're good albums, but they're a downgrade from the three that came before it. Agreed. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, amazing stuff, and I would love to pick those up on vinyl. I know. All right. Well, <laughs> I, our, our favorite hater here, our person we love to hate that we talked about earlier, Sammy Hager says, I cherish Eddie Van Halen more than ever. Yeah, because you have nothing to talk about without him. You have no career without him. Uh, and, and something I saw online, and I got to tell you, as much as I goof on the guy and his band, I thought Michael Sweet put up an awesome fucking post. That was you guys, great. That was did you guys, great. did you see that, Ralph? I shared yeah, it on no, the I, Facebook no, page. I, no, I didn't. Okay, well, he makes, I, I'm trying to do this from memory here because uh, I'm not going to look it up. But basically, he said another reason, you know, it, it was uh, another article. Because there's been all these stories yet uh, out lately. Of, he did a new interview with uh, Steve-O from Jackass, where he was just, just down at David Lee Roth. Like, the whole thing is how much Dave sucks and his vocals are embarrassing, what an asshole he is and all this shit. And uh, Michael Sweet said, another reason why I like the David Lee Roth era 100% more. And he said... Dave built that house. You just lived in it. And Ooh. I was like, oh, man. Oh, man. That's awesome. I, I mean, when you make a man of the Lord that angry, he's going to say some shit like that. You know, well, and he well, just, he the just said, the, the truth is, Ian, you don't know this, but Michael Sweet, the Lord, speaks through him. That's God saying that. <laughs> Yeah, and I heard some Striper, and that's why I'm an atheist. But, uh, no, I, I love that he said it, and he went on to say, you know, regardless of what you think of Dave, you know, then or now, give the man his due respect. And he's like, so, he said, so tired of this. He didn't say shit, but, you know, so so tired of, of these kind of posts. And I was like, God damn. Well, I mean, man. It is, it, it's exhausting. That motherfucker has been doing this for like 15 years. He's here's, here, here's, here's the stone cold fact. When Sammy Hagar does an interview, nobody gives a fuck about Montrose. Nobody gives a fuck about his solo career. Everybody just cares about his tequila and Van Halen when they interview yeah. him. That's it. They don't say, hey, let's talk about musical chairs. You know, nobody's yeah. gonna bring nobody's gonna bring up VO your your big hit. I can't drive fifty. Nobody's gonna bring that up. They're just gonna bring up tequila and Van Halen because that's all he has. And and you know what? He made millions with Van Halen, but he made way more with tequila. You know? Yeah. And he well, and, and he bragged he bragged that he has three more times money than David Lee Roth. Yeah. You have three more times money with Daily Roth through your tequila. How much did you make in the music? Let's compare the income that you made in music compared to Daily Roth's income. I guarantee right. you. I mean, what was it? The last couple Van Halen tours 
were the biggest tours they ever did? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, all, all the last the last three tours with Dave were the biggest. And, you know, here's another, you know, uh, skull crusher to these Hagar fucking bitches. Uh, David Lee Ross, Eat Him and Smile went double platinum. Sammy Hagar yeah. does not have a double platinum solo album. Yep. You know? yep. And, and, and he I didn't even have a platinum album until he joined Van Halen. The only two yeah. platinum solo albums he has went platinum after he joined Van Halen because there was a big rush of sales when he joined Van Halen. Right. And he cl- he claims Montrose sold like 5 million around the world. Montrose first album went 1 million in 94. 21 yep. years after it was released, it yep. sold a million. 21 years after. But he claims back then that they sold 5 million worldwide. Yeah, yeah, sure they did. Dude, can you imagine having the money in life that that guy has? And being that insecure, yeah, and, and and that just jealous, and that big of an attention whore. I mean, God, well, well, well yeah, talk I, to anybody with a microphone. I, I I could imagine that because if your shit sucked that much, and people didn't fucking care about it, and you know the only reason for you know your obscene wealth is because of tequila, you know, not your musical output. Of, of course, you're going to be bitter. And, you know, then he'll throw, like, oh, you know, look what happened. You know, if anybody could have saved Van Halen, Gary Sharon would have saved him, too. But Van Halen, I mean, Van Hagar, I should say, was on a downward spiral. The biggest thing on with them is 5150, and then it drops off with each next album. You if, know, Sammy it, had done, if Sammy had done that fifth studio album, it would have bombed, too. Yeah, have- of course. Van Halen, it would have had the same outcome as Van Halen 3. Not a doubt. Yeah. And, and, you know, even, you know, a lot of blowback, you know, and and we know because we lived through it, there was a huge blowback against Van Halen 3 because everybody wanted the Dave. Yeah. And and when it wasn't the Dave, people were already pissed off. Yeah, once they did that thing in 96 and it blew up, like Van Halen fans were pissed. Yeah, they prick teased us. They totally prick teased us. Yeah, you know, and, and, that, and then you add on, you got Gary Sharon even doing like a Sammy impersonation. And yeah, nobody was checking that out. You know? I will yeah. say this, though, and this is good news. If you pay attention to just kind of comment sections on like Blabbermouth when they put those little blurbs of Sammy talking shit on there, every year for like the last five, especially since Eddie died. You can tell people are getting fucking sick of Sam. Like three quarters of the comments are like, "Jesus Christ, shut the fuck up already." Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and the new one he put up. And what's funny is there's always a couple of like Sammy cocksuckers. Yes. There's this dude. You know, to people who know Blabbermouth, there's this one guy that comments that everybody hates. This guy called Dave Wright. And yeah, I've seen him. Yeah, everybody hates this fucking guy. <laughs> you know. And, and he's the Sammy. Oh, Sammy took him to A-list level. You know, yeah, that's, like, oh. that's my favorite one. That like he took them to another level, and I'm like, I didn't realize that generic yeah. '80s soft rock was another level. Well, yeah. no, well, well, it is true. Sammy did take him to another level. Yeah, the basement. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. I mean, I also I, love the guys that would be like, well, you know, Eddie was the leader of the band. He was part of it, too. I'm like, no dude, shit. You I'm, know what I'm I arguing think? that. Like, these people who think that, like, 
anybody that's against Sammy like is automatically like a any uh, worshiper. I love Eddie. I, He's my favorite guitarist I, of all time, but I can admit when he writes shit, and most of what he wrote in the Sammy era was shit. Yeah, but I gotta say, and and I've said this, and I've pissed off a lot of people by saying this, and I and I and, and but I. I kind of like the, the Hagar cards like when I say this, but it is the truth. There would never be a Vangina ever if it wasn't for Dave Ujiko. Fact. Fact. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If he never left the band, that would have never happened. And that's the fact. Now, his his ego was completely out of control. There's, there's no doubt. I mean, he's always had a big ego, and you know it always tweaked the brothers a little bit. But by the time 1984 and his solo EP and everything, I mean, his ego was, like, just enormous. I mean, I don't, there might have never been a bigger ego than Dave. Yeah, but you know you know what? If I was God, I'd be a motherfucker, too, you know? <laughs> no, hey, 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 whatever. I'm not, I'm not, hey, it's just a fact. If Dave would have never left the band, Vangina would have never happened. That's a fact. It's just a fact. Yeah. Now, you can, you can say... Oh, Sammy. Oh, Eddie. No, fuck that. Oh, David. David, you if you fucking stayed put, you could have put the leash on Eddie like you did through that whole fucking career, that rule, and said, Eddie, you're a goddamn guitar guy. All right, <laughs> do jump, do all wait, but the rest of the album has to rock. You got to be a guitar guy. When Dave left, Sammy was like, whatever you want to do, Eddie. You know, yeah. and Eddie's like, yeah, I want to do keyboards. All right, let's do poppy shit. Because there was no Dave to control Eddie. So, yeah. yes, Sammy well, Hagar is to blame. As long as Eddie, Eddie and Sammy are to blame, both of them. Well, well, uh, Sammy does take the credit because he said that when he came into the band, he goes, uh, and he said this in his uh, book. He said, uh, I didn't read the shit, but I saw a quote online. He said that he, when he joined the band, he saw how Dave ran everything because Eddie was so fucked up and it was easy for him to take control. So I blame him just as much because he took it in that direction and he's like, okay, all right, I like, I like balance too. <laughs> well, I mean, there's one thing, anybody that's paid close attention, right about that Eddie's an unbelievably talented guy, but he had no clue how to like run a band or... You know, he's yeah. just going to be the guy, the genius. He's going to be the guy yeah. writing the incredible okay. music and, 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 you know, changing the world with his guitar. But he couldn't, I mean, you see what happened even after Sammy left. I mean, it, yeah. it a disaster. Eddie needs somebody to harness his brilliance. And Dave did yeah. it better than anybody. It's, it's that simple. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, you can't replace Dave Lee Roth. Not even with Robin Zander, Ronnie James Dio, you name it, the greats. Elvis Presley, you cannot replace David Lee Roth. You can get the great Mick Jagger, whoever the fuck. Yeah. You know, you, you can put him at Van Halen and it's still not going to be as good as Dave. Dave is the only singer for Van Halen. Fact. It is a fact. You know, you cannot replace David Lee Roth. He's irreplaceable. You can't do it. Yeah. Reece. And Mike. Hey, look. Hey, Michael Sweet said it. That fucker talks to God. You know? God I'll tell you, Michael God Sweet. Said. Michael Sweet is a huge, like, classic era man. I hear him talk oh, about yeah. all the time. Oh well, he he bitched about uh, different kind of truth. Yeah, he, he didn't like producer. 
Yeah, he said he didn't like the production on it, which, in a way, as much as I love that album, you know, God, I wish they would have went with Templeman. You know, I wish there was more yeah. of a te Templeman uh, production on there. Yeah, I, I mean, it's songs are just so goddamn good; it, it overcomes the media. I don't, I don't hear yeah. nothing wrong with that album at all. That album fucking rules. I don't have an ear for production. I don't, and I'm glad I don't because I get to enjoy it more. And that is you know? number one on my most wanted vinyl list. I can't find it. Damn, I'm lucky. I bought it right when it was brand new for like 30 bucks, 35 bucks. Well, apparently, you know, they're getting ready to remaster, re-release the, the Sammy era. So when that doesn't sell shit, they'll be like, oh, fuck, we better cash in. Let's you see know, if this Dave I, shit sells money. I said that, Ian. I said, all you fuckers that want this Van Hagar bullshit, or that if you don't want it, but you like this shit, I highly suggest you run out and buy it, because there's not going to be another pressing of it. It's only going to be pressed once. And, and I, yeah, seriously, not even a joke. It's the truth. Once they do that first pressing, it's not going to It's not gonna sell where, oh, we got to do another pressing. It's not going to sell. Watch. Yeah. It's going to be glorious. And, but you'll see. You'll see in a year or two, all right, a new 180 gram from the Dave years. You know what I mean? Yeah. And no more Sammy. That is that is going to happen. And, dude, that, that record store day, Van Hagar live album, a hundred bucks at the record store. Imagine, <laughs> all, imagine all these second these people that buy that album and try to sell it on eBay for two, three hundred dollars. The fuck would pay, dude? Who the fuck would pay a hundred bucks for that? Seriously, even I look me. I'm a huge fan of of Merciful Fate. Merciful Fate releases a four album live album for a hundred bucks. I ain't gonna buy it. Fuck your hundred dollars. I ain't gonna buy it. That's fucking a ripoff, dude. Fuck you. I'm not gonna do it. So it's not because it's Van Hagar. It's any band that charges one hundred dollars for fucking fuck you. The fuck out of my face. The Van Hagar thing being sold for a hundred dollars is hysterical to me because I don't have to buy it. I won't get mad going, damn, I wish I could get it, but it's too expensive. No, it's fucking funny to me. I, I, I'll, I'll pay over a hundred dollars for like a box set if you've got like multiple albums. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Fucking shitty. Live no, but albums. yeah, like what they're doing, what the Van Hagar thing is—that's not a box set. So any band that I love release something like that for a hundred dollars, I ain't gonna want it. I'd be pissed. So thank <laughs> God it's Van Hagar because I'm not mad about it. So there's well, no like book or anything. There's nothing beyond just the album. Uh, well, no, no I don't know. They're not going to put a booklet in there, what, with lyrics, so everybody can laugh at it and see <laughs> yeah. what it is. But I, I love that it's 100 bucks. I wish it was 300 bucks, because I would love to see, you know, these five Van Hagar fans homeless, you know, and I can yeah. drive by and just honk like, eh, no, I ain't giving you no money. Well, I mean, I, but why of all their albums would they pick that to be the first one they put on money? Oh, I know, what's so funny, That's that's the one that... I, I like had a nervous breakdown on, you know, <laughs> that was the last one that I physically bought. And I was like, I give up. This is horrible. This is never, <laughs> that, never going to get any better. That was gone long the before that. That's the glorious thing of being a 70s kid, Ian. A 70s yeah. kid would not buy a Vangina album. He wouldn't do it. When, well, 50, 50, yeah. when 5150 came out, I wouldn't do that shit. I wouldn't buy that. AOU812, the fuck, but nothing. I never, ever, ever purchased a, a Vangina album because I grew up with Van Halen through 78 to 84. 
that was Van Halen when I heard what happened after that. And believe me, I was ready to buy it. I did not hate Sammy Hagar. I didn't like him either, but I didn't think much of him. He was like, whatever. And when I heard Sammy Hagar joined Van Halen at the time, I go, I was a little optimistic. I ain't going to lie. I was like, okay, let's see how this sounds. Let's see where, where Sammy takes this. And then I heard that and I was like, oh, shit. Fuck that, you know? And I was horrified. Why yeah, can't this be love? You still saw him live twice, so we all have our sins. I saw, yeah, but, you, yeah, look how you say it. I got, a, I got a free ticket and BTO was opening. Then Monsters of Rock, I'd never seen Metallica before. That's why I was there. And mind you, I walked out during the Oh You Wait One Two show. I didn't even watch it all. I'm proud I, of that I have awesome. to admit that I have the first two Van Vagina albums. Uh, I bought them when they came out. And I actually liked 5150. I did not like Oh You Wait One Two, and I was done after that. And I went to Monsters of Rock since you brought that up. And I'm very proud to say that me and my buddies left right after the Scorpions were done. No, there you go. I, I had a ride to the show, so I had to wait for, for my ride, but I, I waited at his car. I wasn't going to sit through that whole Van Hagar shit. shit. Yeah, I, I didn't see a second. I left, <laughs> I left and waited for him at the car. I wanted to see Eruption, but I saw Eruption from the nosebleeds. We you were, know, I, I, was, was, I was total nosebleeds, and we were I, fucking shit. No, I, I was exhausted. I was like, I'm I was I, through this shit. I was front row that whole show till Scorps, all the way up front. Then after the Scorps, I left. I went to the nosebleeds. I did not want to see Vangina. Well, I'm worse than all of you because I left after Kingdom Come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. all I want. I'm gone. I'm gone. Metallica was great that day. Dokken was mediocre. Scorpions were very good. I only caught like 10 minutes of Kingdom Come. Scorpio, Dokken was terrible because they were yeah, breaking up. You could tell they were a band falling apart. Yeah, they, they, they were not happy being there. They gave a half ass show. It was terrible. It was fucking horrible. And I've seen Dokken like four times before that. Fucking rule. Great Metallica live band. was the best of the day. Yeah, opinion. yeah. They, Metallica they, blew everybody away. They were fucking amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, now we talk about somebody we all love Ronnie James Dio. And I'm happy about this. The uh, great documentary, Dreamers Never Die, will receive a DVD and Blu-ray release in September. Uh, Ralph, I know you saw it. Ryan, did you get a chance to check it out? I'm sorry, I just, I, I missed you there. Check out what? Uh, the Dio documentary, Dreamers Never Die. You know, I it's one of those things, I watched like 40 minutes of it and fell asleep and I've never gotten back to finish it, but I did like what I saw. Well, uh, I, gotta, I gotta say, I saw it in the theater with the extras that oh uh, nice and i gotta tell you the extras is better than the movie <laughs> well i wouldn't say better as good let's put it that way the extras on there are fucking awesome not to give anything away uh ronnie james dio and simon wright construction company that's all i gotta say that's part of the extras and it's fucking hilarious it's so <laughs> well, funny that's awesome, and that's what I'm looking forward to, is because I thoroughly enjoyed the documentary. Of course, you know, uh, with any documentary, if you're a fanboy, it's never enough. There's always area, eras glossed over that you want more information on. Um, so I'm basically, that's the whole reason I want it. Well, not only to have it rewatch it again, but I would love to see the extras 
and hoping that other eras that I'm interested in, you know, are covered. Because, I mean, it's pretty goddamn thorough to a certain point, and then it kind of goes real fast. Uh, but a very good documentary, and, uh, you know, I implore everybody, go out there, buy a fucking physical copy. You know, if people see that there's a demand for this, you know, maybe you get something else, you know. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Well, here's something, uh, and it's funny because this has to do with the band uh, we're talking about later in this episode, as we devoted about an hour to Van Halen. Uh, uh, Dean Castronova, current drummer for Journey, says, It would take a miracle from God to fix the relationship between Neil Sean and Jonathan Cain. And I, for one, hope it isn't fixed. I want Jonathan Cain out of that band. Get Greg Rowley back. Have any of you guys, uh, I think Ralph, you saw some. I don't know if you've seen it, Ralph. Did you see the footage when Greg Rowley joined him in Texas? Oh, it was fucking awesome. Oh, oh. Yeah, 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 I liked it. Oh, was it good. And that's my journey, and I got a feeling, uh, you know, without getting into spoiler alerts, it's probably going to be all our eras of journey. Oh, and, 100%. You know, and, and to me, you know, Jonathan Kane is the, the Sammy Hagar of fucking Journey. And was a horrible, uh, you know, enabler for Steve Perry. As much as I live Steve Perry, I think he just let him down that fucking, you know, that sugary road that they might not have took with Greg Raleigh, you know? Uh, you know I, who I think is the, the perfect equal uh, to uh, Jonathan Kane? Phil Collins. Mm. Um, he, he, he played on Def Leppard's biggest album. Right. Once he started becoming like the main songwriter, they turned to dog shit. And That's the same thing great. happened with Journey. It is, That's a great analogy. Was, was I, on I, their biggest commercial album, but once he was like the full-time songwriter, they turned to dog shit. Yeah. I, I, I thought that Phil Collins was like the worst replacement ever for Phil, for Pete Willis as far as a guitar player. He is so sloppy. And his solos, I mean, look at listen to the solos on Pyromania, shit that Pete Willis wrote. Imagine Pete Willis playing that shit. I mean, he had hooky, you know, Steve Clark as well. They had like really hooky guitar solos where Phil Collins is like sloppy, and non-memorable. He's a, I think he's a terrible guitar Holy player. No feel. No yes, feel. No feel. Yes. He's a terrible songwriter. Um, and, you know, honestly, I believe Willis and Clark is one of the more underrated guitar duos of all time. I mean, they were amazing. The, listen to the listen three and to, a half albums they did together. Listen to, listen to Answer to the Master. They were teenagers, but listen to what Steve and Pete do. In the solo of Answer the Master. Unfucking real. And another hit and run. You know, I mean, it's just, they were unreal, an unreal guitar duo. And then this guy comes in, and I witnessed it firsthand. I saw, I saw High and Dry. And then I saw the Pyromania tour. And dude, Phil, I, I remember the show was great. Pyromania, they still had good songs. It was a cool show. But I remember leaving that show going, Dude, that was that that guitar player sucked. You know, it's like they should have got a different guitar player to to you know replace Pete Willis because this guy is dog shit. 
He was hot. Absolutely. Ralph, did you get that uh, live at Oxford um, Def Leppard thing that came out? It was like a really well-recorded show from uh, in yeah, between I got it. it's, uh, through it's, the night. Yeah, it's, it was a record store day thing. Yeah. Yeah, I got that it. show I got is it. amazing. Yeah, it's yeah. So it's crazy that they have something that good quality from that yeah. long ago that hadn't surfaced yet. And oh, there's yeah, like, yeah. There's early versions of uh, High and Dry uh, yeah. songs on there with like different names and stuff. Yeah, it's let, really let cool. it go. And a song called Medicine Man, which later became Rock Rock Till You Drop. Yeah, I'm a really huge, cool. huge, huge Def Leppard fan. I think. The, one of the greatest Def Leppard songs ever was a B-side called uh, "Good Morning Freedom." I love it. I don't, I don't understand how that song didn't make that first album. Yeah, and I just that, discovered some of that stuff over like the last ten years. I didn't, I'd never heard that stuff before. I think, recently. honestly, I think "Good Morning Freedom" is better than anything on "On Through the Night," and I worship that album. I love all songs on "On Through the Night." Not too crazy about "Hello America," but the rest is awesome. But man, Good Morning Freedom is like the greatest song. If they would have put that on there, it would have been mind blowing. It would have been all. Oh, a lot of people will be saying, Good Morning Freedom, that's the best Def Leppard song. Or at least the def, best Def Leppard song on that album. I don't know why that became a B side. It's weird to me. Well, they have a Strange. lot of cool stuff from that era that didn't end up on the albums. Like, you know, um, some of Glad the stuff I'm, in it. Glad I'm Alive is another great song. That never, yeah, there, there's, never. there's a bunch of good stuff. But even yeah. like Ring of Fire and stuff like that, like, you know, that didn't see the light of day until a B-side for Hysteria. Um, they, that, there's some cool shit from that era that was not on albums. And they were yeah, doing yeah, yeah. A, lot of, a lot of extra stuff back then. They, they, were, they were prolific at that point. Yeah, you know, fuck Phil Collins and fuck Sammy Hagar. Right, Ian? <laughs> right, but, you know, Phil Collins got a point. You know, once he joined and took his shirt off, they sold a lot more records. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. All and right. Fuck well, Jonathan Cain. Yes, you, you, mean, you, mean, you mean Phil Collins actually had a shirt on that he took off? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he keeps trying them on, but none of them fit because they're men's. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right, well, here's something uh, probably everybody would be interested in. And a band, i got to admit, we did a review of them, and I was kind of, eh, but I'm kind of warming up to this band. Uh, Triumph is releasing a 40th anniversary special edition package of their U.S., their Us Festival performance. From that was, that performance is historic. What an amazing performance they did that day. Unbelievably great. You know, Triumph, like, God, they just—they may have been the best band that day. Now I think about it, they may have been the best band that played us festival that day. You know, it's you so know? random that that you say this, Ian. Literally, like two weeks ago, I was on some streaming channel that like one of my kids has that like I don't even know the name of it, but it had some free live stuff from the us festival. It didn't have Van Halen or it didn't have most of the big bands. It kind of had a lot of the secondary bands. And it had four, you know, professionally recorded, really good versions of Triumph. And they, they were great that day. Unbelievable. Well, they were on fire, man. Well, if you're interested in this, go to officialtriumphmerch.com. And they said this set will include a double LP gatefold, including never seen, never before seen photos, uh, etching of the iconic Never Surrender Thunderbird logo on the fourth side, 
Remastered on vinyl at the Legendary Metalworks Studio. Limited to 750 copies. Comes in either black, red, or blue vinyl. Uh, fans who buy from official Triumph merch store will receive a US Festival special podcast featuring new interviews from Rick Emmett, Gil Moore, Mike Levine, Michael Perot, Harry Witts, John Roberts, and Wayne Webster, and more. So it looks like this will be a uh, pretty good package. It says... Uh, Get on side one is Allied Forces, Laid on the Line, Never Surrender. Side two is Magic Power, A World of Fantasy, Rock and Roll Machine. Side three is When the Lights Go Down and Fight the Good Fight. And side four is like, you know, a special edged uh, Thunderbird. Wait, wait, you said, did you say Never Surrender? Uh, yeah, Never Surrender is on yeah, side I was, one. Yeah. I was about to say, man, if they take Never Surrender off there, that'd be a crime. Because to me, that yeah. was kind of like the highlight was when they played that. And also, Rick's guitar solo was unbelievable. Awesome. But, yeah, I need, really I need to, to be, get it. There needs to be a proper documentary done about that metal day at House Festival. Like a really good one. Because that, that is like a ridiculous day of music, the bands that were there that day. I was supposed well, to go to that, man. But shit got fucked up. I mean, it, well, you know, it, it's crew in their prime. It's Priest in a really good part of their career. Van Halen in their prime. Uh, sport. I mean, that was a Ozzy. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. They were all great. Ridiculous well, I, day. I, I would love like an all-encompassing uh, documentary on that because, I mean, all three days... Yeah, but even like the pop I, and the punk days were pretty amazing. Yeah, but I, I mean, you know, you had the Clash back then, and, and you know, uh, all kinds of different bands who played it. I love the eclectic nature of it that there was so many different bands that played that, and so many people. Of course, I mean, like anybody, I care more about you know Metal Day, but there's a lot of other shit that was like what everybody, a, what everybody a cared. Time. Yeah, everybody cared more for Metal Day because Metal Day outsold. Uh, both the other days, like two to one. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's it's funny. I feel like younger people probably don't even know what the hell the US Festival is, and I kind of feel with like how big festivals have become, people should know more about the US Festival. Well, the thing yeah. about the US Festival, if you would have the US Festival today, Metal Day would sell the less, and like the emo yeah. uh, electronic night will sell the best. Well. You know, who knows? Maybe things will be changed. I mean, look at this power trip festival that's going on in uh, Indo, California, where Coachella takes place. Yeah, but it's all ancient bands, dude. There's nothing new. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, but still, though, I mean, somebody believes in it enough, you know, to put up the money because you know that's not a cheap fucking festival. No, man, but 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 these fucking heritage acts are going to sell out everywhere, dude. Yeah, that it doesn't change the fact. Look, all the what, what's it? What is it? Ozzy, Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Iron, Iron Maiden, all yeah. these bands that 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 are heritage acts that still do well everywhere. Where's uh, Rat? Where's um, you know the more lower tier bands? Nobody gives a fuck no more, yeah. dude. We but, live in an age that, dude, our music is gone. We yeah. all need to embrace it. It's gone, dude. We don't. Look, look at Rat. You, we're never going to see Rat again. Ever. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it, it, it's it's over, Johnny. Our music days are over. Just embrace yeah. the newer metal that nobody gives a fuck about. 
all these new wave of traditional metal bands from Canada that are awesome that nobody cares about except I do and I'm happy with it so fuck it I don't give a fuck look yeah. at look at Metallica Metallica is number two to whoever the fuck that's what we live with you know now we live in that our music's dead it's yeah. just the old shit is still hanging on now oh, there's a lot of great new metal bands but they no but nobody cares about them you know yeah, the so what sad are you reality do? the sad reality is once these legacy bands are gone hard rock heavy metal on a grand scale like stadiums other than maybe you know south america or europe it's over it's done there's no you know and you're right there are a lot of good new bands in that genre but not big enough to do an us festival not big i'm just look to draw I'm, hundreds of thousands i'm gonna i'm gonna let out a big secret nobody knows about i'm just gonna let it out here just to let everybody know when all our legacy bands are dead and gone don't worry because that at that moment is when i'm gonna form a band and i'm gonna bring metal back but I'm just waiting for these old fucks to die. <laughs> right, Ian? Sure. What is it? Take <laughs> a bong hit or something? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, no. Um, <laughs> all right, next story. Ace Frehley says Paul Stanley is hot and cold. Sometimes he's really sweet, and sometimes it can be not so sweet. Uh, I want to see these two chicks fucking punch it out. I, I want some fucking, like, Axl Rose versus fucking Vince Neil shit here. I'd like to see Paul, I'd like to see Ace really beat the living shit out of Paul Stanley, because he's a prissy fag, and I hate, I hate Paul Stanley. Ace Frehley rules. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. He's a fucked up drug addict rock and roller. That's the real deal. Not that prissy little Paul and, and, and Kiss that's with him. Who's a little prissy boy? That him and Gene all just care about money, where Ace just cares about blow and hookers. <laughs> Fuck rules. I, I, I want to see some WWF shit. I, I don't want to see a ladder match. I want to see a wig match. You know? Yeah. Whoever loses has to take the wig off. Yeah. I gotta say though, and again, Ace wins because he's got the cool looking wig. <laughs> I'm uh, sick of it all. I'm just tired of the, the old man bickering back and forth. All I know is I love Ace and fuck it. Oh, I do too. I, Ace, Ace has always been, my, always been my favorite member. Actually, Ace, Ace is the favorite member for people that are men. Did either of you guys listen to uh, Edwin Canastracci, um podcast where he did all the solo albums for Kiss? No. No, I didn't, I didn't hear that one. Very entertaining listen. Um, and it actually made me do like you know every probably once every three or four years I'll go like a little binge through the Force uh, solo albums and listen to them, and it's just it's absurd how much. I mean, Ace is an A plus, and the next best album's a B minus. Yeah, you know, the Paul Stanley album is horrendous. It's I awesome. It. It, best, I, I like the Paul album. I think, I think, I think the two most overrated Kiss albums are Revenge. And Paul Stanley's solo yeah, album. I saw you posted that. Paul no, Stanley's my, my, solo album is cringy, man. It's so bad. The one I think is overrated, and it's this is a lot of people say this is their favorite, and it always shocks me. I think Love Gun is very overrated. I love that album. It's not my favorite, but I love Love Gun. I love, I love. Then she kissed me. I love that oh, song. Yeah. 
Yeah, yep. that song that song swallows cock. It doesn't suck. No, no, cock. It I, no, no, cock. It's, no, no. You're talking about Paul Stanley's solo album. <laughs> hey, the, I'm the not gonna agree with you just because you're Doctor Fuck. Oh <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that Ian. That was a good one. I like that. Thank you. The good yeah, stuff on yeah, that one is you... very good. The rest is, is. Hey, but 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 Ryan, I'm confused. I like Love Gun. Aren't you supposed to agree with everything I say? Aren't you supposed to be my disciple sheep? Like some people out there think people are. I got accused of, well, I've been accused for years of, oh, they're only agreeing with you because they're kissing your ass. It's like, uh, these people have minds and they're like, they're, they're talking sincerely how they think. People are idiots to think. I'm so, you're a fucking idiot for thinking that, I'm sorry. But there's nobody out there, not one soul that's gonna, that's gonna go against what they think and agree with me. It doesn't happen. It's bullshit, 100% bullshit. And you can't, you, there's no facts to, to hold water to that statement. And you I can prove it. You have to be pretty it. weak-minded for that to be the case. I mean, fucking A, all these people that fucking, all these people that love me and that follow me like Living Color, that shitty-ass band, that proves, <laughs> that proves that they do not follow me. Hey, I, I'm gonna side with Michael Sweet who just treat, tweeted, uh, the greatest Kiss album is overrated. <laughs> and he talks to God. All right, one last story before we get into our album. Uh, something we talked about earlier, but you guys might be interested in. Uh, I spoke earlier about the new Alice Cooper, the reissues of Killer and Schools Out, and have a pretty neat track listing here. Uh, of course, both albums are remastered, but on uh, Killer... They have live from Marisol Pop Festival, Puerto Rico, 1972. Check out the set list. Be My Lover, You Drive Me Nervous, Yeah, 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 I'm 18, Halo of Flies, Is It My Body, Oh Man, Dead Babies, Killer, Long Way to Go, Under My Wheels, and then they also have alternate versions of You Drive Me Nervous, Under My Wheels, and Dead Babies. What was the score of the show? 1972, April 2nd. Wow. Yeah, and I, I love hearing those like rarities from uh, from Killer on there. Like, yeah, 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 you drive me nervous. That's fucking Killer. And then yeah. maybe some interest to Ralph. I mean, I know he wasn't there, but uh, on the school's out, it is live from Miami, Florida. Whoa. May, May 27th, 1972. Doesn't list the venue. Um, but Be My Lover, You Drive Me Nervous, Yeah, 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 I'm 18, Halo of Flies, Dead Bodies, Killer, Long Way to Go, School's Out, Is It My Body, plus the extras are School's Out singles version, Gutter Cat single version, alternate version of Alma Mater, and an early take of Elected. Uh, and another thing that's awesome on these, yes, you do get the panties with School's Out. It is the desk that folds out and everything. Um... And, and the center label is the old school, like the Green Warner Brothers uh, and Killers. Of course, you get the, the 1972 calendar with Alice Cooper hanging. So, yeah, those are definitely purchases. Yeah, man, Alice, Alice from the start always did incredible packaging. Always yeah. you know, clever, always different. You know, took some chances with stuff. And, I love that shit. And he did it before Kiss. You know, there, there's people, there's people that, 
I've seen people online say, who was putting books and love guns inside albums before Kiss? Who? I was like, Alice Cooper, bitch. Yeah, I mean, yeah. 72, that's the year I was born. And it, people, I think a lot of people like who weren't around for that time kind of think that maybe he was, he was way before any of the bands that were doing the same kind of shit. Yeah. Uh, it, what were the first couple albums? Like 70, 71? Yeah. 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 Yeah, because I'm pretty sure school, yeah, that, that's the school's out tour. So it's 72. Yeah. Yeah, 72, he put out both Killer and School's Out. Yeah. Crazy. He, and he still looks good, man. I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Please for you is 69. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I don't want people looking at Alice Cooper, though, as a role model. Like, if you quit drinking and stuff, you'll look good, because I don't want to encourage quitters. But, uh, yeah, he's doing pretty goddamn good, damn it. That's crazy. Uh, all right, well, that's the end of the news, and uh, now we're getting to the album we're talking about. And originally, uh, you know, Ryan had, a, had an episode in mind. That would have been a great one. It was like 25 best Beatles things, and we're like, come on, give us a fucking break. We're trying to knock out this fan shit. I and said was, on the front end, if you guys just want to do an yeah. album, let me know. I said, if you're willing to do the Beatles thing, we'll do the Beatles thing. But we'll save that for yeah. another day. Stop cutting me off. You would have cut off Ralph. God damn it. Everybody agrees with him. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, it was great. We had a last minute cancellation on an episode, and I, I got a hold of Ryan, like, hey, man, you available? Man, let's do yours. Pick an album. And man, you have saved the day today. You gave us some great choices. Uh, and the one that uh, Ralph agreed upon, because he, he's the boss, is Infinity by Journey. And something I was more than happy to talk about. We haven't done a Journey episode, so uh, that's cool. Uh, yeah. The band, I think it's safe to say we all like to varying degrees. Uh, you know, different eras we like more than others. Uh, but yeah, this was a very interesting one to do. The first one with uh, Steve Perry. The last one to feature Ainsley Dunsbar on drums. So, Ryan, since you are Ryan T., Russell, not to be confused with the other Ryan Russells. Uh, why did you pick this album, and what does it mean to you? All right, so um, like we, like you had just said, we had kind of last second decided that we were going to do an album rather than the Beatles thing. So I sent you four different albums. I won't even name the other ones, but I, I just wanted to find something because you guys have been. I know at times sludging through the fan episodes of stuff you don't know. I wanted to find something that I was pretty sure all three of us liked. Um, but this album in particular is interesting. I, I, I've never been like a huge Journey fan. I've, I've been, I, I would call myself a pretty casual Journey fan. Um, when I was a kid, you know, when like, you know, their big albums came out, uh, me and my brother bought Escape. Um, we uh, we had we had Escape and then Frontiers, which I think I'm not a big fan of. Um, but then we got uh, the uh, live album Captured, um, which kind of introduced us to the whole earlier era of Journey, and I actually kind of like that better. But at the time, I never bought the individual albums because if you have Captured, it is a pretty good kind of 
it's similar to Kiss Alive, it's it's kind of covers most of the best stuff from the first three albums with uh, Perry and Raleigh. Um, so I didn't even really know this album completely until literally about two years ago. I didn't have a record player for a good 15, almost 20 years. And I finally, and the reason I had purposely not bought one because I, I had four kids and kids are expensive. And I knew if I got a record player, I'd start spending a fortune on records. Fuck my college. Kids are, my kids are all old and out of the house. Well, three of the four of them are old. So I finally, I got a little more budget to play with or whatever. So I bought a, a, a turntable two years ago and I just went nuts and bought a ton of shit. And this was one of the first albums I bought um, because I, I heard like uh, one of the, I think like Anytime, and I was like, oh, he's like, you know, I kind of never really like listened to that whole album. And I saw it for like seven bucks at a record store. So I got it. And I swear since I got it, I've been listening to it like it's a brand new album. You know, whereas the rest of my collection, I'll hear, listen to here and there. I probably listened to this album on vinyl like 25, 30 times over the last in the last couple of years. And I just fucking love it. Um, it's easily my favorite Journey album. Uh, Mine as well. And I, I basically, I mean, when it comes to Journey overall, I do like Escape. Um, and I like all the, the Raleigh Harrier I don't know too much about the pre-carrier. I've listened to it a little bit, but I'd be lying if I said I knew it really well. It's a different um, band. Yeah, it, it's totally different. And actually, the, the one album I have listened to a little bit is the one right before this next, where you can start to hear little signs of what was to come with this. But, right. um, you know, we'll get into the, the details of this, obviously, as we go song by song. But I just think it's, it's easily my favorite Journey album. And... Uh, just thought it'd be a fun album to do because I was pretty sure both of the guys dug this, so uh, thought it'd be fun. Yeah, I, I heard Infinity. I go do that one because I don't even have to listen to it. You know. Yeah, and I was pretty sure you like guys hadn't. Yeah. I was pretty sure you guys hadn't done any Journey albums, so that's another reason I thought about it. Yeah, I didn't think of that, but yeah, that's Ian's fault. <laughs> Ian would uh, like us talk about Crowbar. Yes. Crowbar, I love it. <laughs> but, uh, I, I love Journey as well. And, you know, a funny story. And I, I don't think, I've never, my mom doesn't even know this. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I first acquired this album, and I'm not proud to say this, I stole it. Uh, me and a friend in high school had met some girls at a pool. And the one girl was like, oh, I'm babysitting and gave us the address and we went over there. Turned out to be the guy who would end up being my future uh, stepbrother. <laughs> and uh, I, I stole this out, this CD from his house because all I had was Journey's Greatest Hits. I mean, back then, I, you know, I was in high school. I was, you know, I'd buy Greatest Hits if I wasn't really into the band. Now I detest Greatest Hits. I like getting somebody's discography. So, so uh, what is this, early 90s? This is yeah, early nineties or late eight, late eighties. Probably probably ninety. It's probably nineteen ninety. I, I um, want to get a, a good visual, you know, of, of uh, Wazilla, of, you know, sixteen, yeah. seventeen year old Wazilla. Yeah, I was I was a lot thinner. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so this is one of two CDs that I stole from my stepbrother. I've never even told him that. I should tell him that. Like yeah. 
<laughs> I stole your shit. Uh, but uh, it, it was an interesting listen to me because, you know, I had the greatest hits, but there's so many great songs that weren't on the greatest hits, like uh, Feeling That Way in Any Time that you would hear on the radio, but weren't on, you know, the classic uh, greatest hits that was released in the late 80s. And I, I listened to some of it, but I don't think I listened to the whole thing uh, probably till this review, because there were songs that I heard on this I'd never heard before. And, uh, but man, you know, th there's so much killer shit to this. I love Journey. I love, you know, I love the, the pre-Steve Perry shit. I'm, I'm a big fan. And if, if you like, just like classic 70s rock, Ryan, I, I highly recommend those first three albums. I think they're really, but I'm a huge fan of Greg Raleigh, even the Santana stuff. And so I just think he has an amazing voice. And I love the guitar work of Neil Sean, even though he's a fucking goddamn uh, Sammy Hagar sympathizer. You know, he's done multiple projects with Sammy. And uh, so, yeah, kind of, you know, between him and, and Jonathan Cain, I don't know who I hate worse. But I do love Neil's guitar playing. Uh, but man, what, what just, just a solid, solid band. But they started losing their way with Jonathan Cain. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, all you see now is a tribute. But I was more than happy to talk about this. Uh, Ralph, is this the album that introduced you to Journey, or were you aware of the early shit? Nope, this was the album. And when it was new, from the strength of the radio with wheel in the sky and lights and any time and uh, feeling that way I went out and bought this I cut a lawn I remember specifically I cut a lawn for this album and I went out and bought the album and I was just floored by this album and what is it 77 right or 78 is when this came out uh, and, 78 yeah January, January 78 so Barely, oh, yeah, barely 77 yeah so um and yeah i loved it then i got the next album which is evolution then i got uh the one after that then the live album and i didn't look into early journey the first three albums till like around the time escape came out and i love those albums i really do but i prefer the steve Her steve perry stuff i think uh from Infinity to Frontiers is my favorite journey. Then I'll go to the first three. Uh, I'm a big fan. And, you know, even the Jonathan Cain stuff, the first two albums, I, I can deal with that. The Raised on Radio crap, I couldn't. Oh, that was that, terrible. That's when I checked out. I was like, yeah. fuck this. Yeah, I like I, Escape. I don't love Frontiers. And, you know, and you want to hear a funny story. Raised on Radio had a free concert, free journey concert, Sportatorium. I didn't go. I didn't go because I thought, all right, it's free. And if it's free, you know, they're going to throw a lot of that raised on radio crap. They're not they're not going to give us what we want. They're playing for themselves because it's free. So I didn't go. I didn't go to that shit. I do um, like that one single from that album. Uh, what is it? Be good to yourself. I like that. Song. Well, I, the, the funny thing is, I, I have it on vinyl. I have Infinity and Raised on Radio on vinyl. I've still never listened to Raised on Radio. All I know is the radio tracks, but I fucking love Girl Can't Help It. And uh, what was the other single up? Be, be Good to Yourself, and there was one other one. 
sucking cock in the glory hole. Oh, <laughs> I love that one. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. no, that that album's just hard. That's when it, you know, but that's my rule of theory. What I said, after 84, everything sucks. Now, I, I, I can't, and, and then something else came to my mind the other day. You know, I'm a big heavy metal fan. I love yeah. metal, but no metal has ever topped 1984's Don't Break the Oath. None. And, 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 and here's the funny part. Don't Break the Oath ain't even my favorite Merciful Fate album. It's Melissa, but I still think Don't Break the Oath has not, not, not Rain and Blood, not, you throw out any metal album, and I will tell you, the only album to me that will rival Don't Break the Oath came out in 81, and that was Diary of a Madman. That's the only one that will rival it, but that came out before uh, Don't Break the Oath. Everything after 1984 with Don't Break the Oath has, has been great, but not as good. And that's my rule of thumb of when I think everything went to shit. I mean... A lot of good stuff came out after 84, but none of it as good as the stuff from 84 down. But that's my personal opinion, and I think I'm right. Well, I'm going to agree with you because you're Dr. Fucking. I don't want you to kick off the show. <laughs> you have to agree with me because, after all, you, everything I say, if you don't agree with it, you're going to have to learn to agree with it. That's right, boss. Good stuff. Pre yeah. <laughs> 84, good. After 84, drop it. <laughs> Yeah. Fuck weird science. Yeah. Red <laughs> Rio Boston after Rio. Thank you. <laughs> Seven and the Ragged Tiger, my ass. <laughs> I just watched Weird Science the other day. I did laugh when the guy when the guy at the end Bill Paxton turned into poop. But that yeah. movie's terrible. That movie's terrible, dude. Everything before that was so stupid. Not a fan. Not funny. <laughs> Charlie Chaplin, that's the shit. <laughs> that's right, bitch. Free Old school. Yeah. Let me Buster tell you Keaton. something. What, yeah. a, what a comedic man. Everything sucked after they started the talkies. Yeah. <laughs> it has uh, to be silent yeah. or fuck off. <laughs> well, Ryan, you are a special guest, uh, so I hope you give a... Uh, review of this song that Ralph agrees with. Why don't you take the opening track, Lights? All right. Uh, love it. A um, little overplayed, but um, definitely not something I've like gotten sick of. I, I, when I listen to this album, I still listen to it start to finish. Um, interesting opener. Um, you know, for a band that was kind of transitioning to open up with, kind of, you know, straight up ballad like this uh, is interesting, but it is you know, commercially one of the, you know, definitely more accessible songs in the album on a, you know, very uh, accessible album. But uh, interesting opener, but it works for some reason. Um, like, I can't imagine this album not having lights open it up. So, I mean, for some reason, a song that doesn't make any sense to be an album opener works. Love it. Love lights. Right on. Ian? Ah, uh, fuck, because I don't know what you think, so I'm all lost at what to say. Yeah, no, that's um, why I want you to go first. <laughs> oh, shit, it's a test. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the boss is testing me. <laughs> uh, what does he want me to say? 
I didn't know we were going to be graded. Oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, I love this song. Yes, it is overplayed. Um, I think the great thing with this is how long it's been since I've listened to classic rock radio. So a lot of this stuff I can hear again now and appreciate because I, I haven't listened to classic rock radio since the early 2000s. Um, and this is one of those ones you would hear damn near every day. But for, this is one that I think is justified. I mean, yeah, I never thought about it like that before you said it, right? But it is an odd way to open up the album. But it is a beautiful, and it's just three minutes and 11 seconds. And I've always kind of thought of Lights as like an epic song. But man, it's pretty short for an epic. But it is. It's just incredible the way it describes San Francisco. Uh, you know, it's it's just per and like, wow, here's this, you know, this new voice, you know, in Steve Perry. That is just incredible. I mean, yeah, he kind of went, you know, a little light in the loafers and shit and went a little fucking nutty. But goddamn, when this guy was on, he was fucking on. Amazing. And, and uh, you know, it's it's just, it, it, it's classic. And I, I feel bad for people who can't appreciate it or won't give it a chance. You know, like maybe newer generations are like, oh, that's Journey. That's, you know, that's grandpa music or that that's dad rock or whatever. Well, might be, but it's better than your shit. You know, where where's your new classics? And that's one thing, you know, I think you see in modern uh, radio, you know, where's the classics that stand the test of time that people are like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. You know, this shit, it sticks around for a reason because it's incredibly written, incredibly sung. It was a very tight band. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people think of uh, Steve Smith being the classic journey drummer in a lot of ways he is. But I mean, Ainsley Dunsbar does amazing on this. Uh, yeah. He he left after this album and joined Jefferson Starship. But before that, I mean, he played with John Mayo, played with Frank Zappa, you know, had his own thing going on. I mean, uh, a lot of people might not know this. Ainsley Dunsbar is the drummer on Whitesnake 87, you know, but he's not in the video, so nobody fucking knows. And you know, uh, you know, Ainsley Dunbar had a band in the 60s that wrote a song called Warning that Black Sabbath covered on their first album. Wow. Yes, I... I, I knew that, but it sounds better when you say it, boss. <laughs> <laughs> it was called, and Ian, by the way, you did not know this. It was called oh. the Ansley Dunbar Band. That's right. You didn't know that. News to me. <laughs> News to me. Was not aware. <laughs> Thank you, oh, enlightened one. Um, <laughs> yeah, good shit, man. I love this fucking song. What do you think, Ralph? Yeah, this is uh, showcasing Steve Perry's amazing vocals that a lot of people don't know that uh, Neil Sean and all those people didn't want Steve Perry in the band. Herbie Herbert, their manager, forced, said, whether you like it or not, this guy's your new lead singer. And then when he sang on Lights and it became a huge hit, bigger than anything they've done before Steve Perry, they woke up and said, hey, this guy's the real deal. And... My God, the way he sings this song. And also, Sean's emotional playing, too, is very important to this track. Amazing guitar playing, amazing vocals, amazing song. What's the next one? Feeling That Way. Feeling That Way. Now, here's, like, you know, uh, this is why. This is why, right here. 
this is the best version of Journey. Because you not only you get the great Steve Perry, but you get Greg Rawley's joining him on this song. And their their vocals match so amazingly great. And I love it. Here I am with my my arms a mile wide. You know, it's just amazing. And also another chilly tune. It's kind of a chill tune after another chill tune. I love it. I love this song. What do you think, Ian? Oh, my God. This is fucking amazing. And I love the way that the vocals are handled on this. Uh, this is produced by somebody I'm kind of am about, Roy Thomas Baker. Uh, but I consider Infinity and the Cars debut his greatest production. You can take that queen shit and shove it up your ass fucking sideways. But um, I don't agree with that, Ian. Uh, strike that from the record. Queen. <laughs> Quality music, boss. Quality yeah. music. Yeah. <laughs> that little fairy can sing. Let me tell you. Uh, Fuck yeah, you love show tunes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got my jazz hands going. Bicycle. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this one co-written with uh, Steve Perry, Greg Rowley, Ansley, Dunsbar. Uh Incredible fucking song. And, yeah, the way they play off each other, I, I mean, this might piss some motherfuckers off, but fuck it. Uh, as long as Boss thinks it's okay, I'm going to say it. This is some Lennon and McCartney shit. When these two get together, the way they're vocal, man, and I just think of all the great songs we were robbed from, because I think... If Greg Raleigh would have stuck around longer, we would have had more stuff like this, and maybe it would have been more grounded in classic rock and not as much. You know, once Greg Raleigh was gone, I mean, Steve Perry really took the reins with, the, you know, with Jonathan Cain, and they went in that direction. But I think Greg Raleigh would have kept him more grounded, and maybe it would have been a more even split between Neil, Greg, and Perry. Who knows? Maybe I'm just rewriting history, but... This no, is just... you know, you know, you know what, Ian. I think you're right. If Greg Raleigh would have stayed in Journey, it would have been better than Escape from Frontiers. But after 1984, even with Raleigh, it would have sucked because it was after 1984. I was gonna say that, boss, but you beat me to it. <laughs> yeah, after '84, kaputs. Um, yeah. Uh, no, incredible fucking track, and the way it flows into the next one. I mean, we'll get there. But I mean, you know, you want to talk about, you know, it, and well, you got to go to another thing that Roy Thomas Baker produced. I mean, feeling that way in the next track is, is just like, we will rock you, we're the champions. You can't hear one without the other. They seamlessly flow together. And what's so amazing, though, is, you know, the next track was written with a different lineup, but still the way it goes and it comes together and everything works out and the co-lead vocals, I, I mean, it's... You know, two track two and three are two of the best songs they ever fucking recorded. Why it's not on the greatest hits, I'll never know. Um, what do you think of feeling that way, Ryan? Uh, amazing. Love the song. Um, you better like it, you son of a bitch. And, and I was going to actually talk about Roy Thomas Baker on this song because to me, this is the first. The first you know, Lights is a well recorded song, but it's not like necessarily an overproduced song if, if you like break that song down it's pretty much you know that mellow really fucking cool and great tone guitar that um sean is doing and his voice and then 
and there's you know in the chorus there there's some background vocals but this is where you get full on Roy Thomas Baker huge you know harmonies and uh they're they're beautiful are they overproduced a little bit yes but I mean man I, I could not disagree with you anymore on this guy's career I mean God damn, you look at the, the amount of albums that this guy produced that are just all timers. Um, you know, he produced all of the Raleigh uh, um, Journey, Raleigh Perry Journey stuff. And, and again, these harmonies are amazing. He, the first two Cars albums. Yeah, Ian, I was going to tell uh, Ryan T. Russell that uh, you used to think that uh, he did not produce good albums, but I corrected you. Yes, big fan, Roy Thomas Baker, top notch. There you go. All right, continue, Ryan. <laughs> no, but getting back, back to Roy Thomas Baker, I, I mean, I, first of all, I'm a huge Queen fan. And uh, I might have even asked you this before, but I have to ask again because it always bothers me when somebody whose music taste I respect so much, Wadzilla. Yes, sir. Can be so wrong on a band like Queen. You, like, <laughs> you really respect this guy's musical opinion? That's, That's some funny shit. Do you like Queen 2 or Sheer Heart Attack? Um, he wouldn't give those out the chance. Queen 2, I, I don't think I've ever heard all the way through. Sure. If you don't like like the bicycle race and all that stuff, go listen to Queen Two and Sheer Heart Attack. I know. Hey, look, if you don't like them, I know. Sheer, I know, Ian. He will hate those albums. Sheer, Sheer Heart Attack. There, there's stuff on it I, I really love. Uh, I, I think on every Queen record I've heard. Well, those maybe not everyone's are heavy. I mean, they have but like, but like the classic ones. There's songs that I like. And, and then they just get too fucking fruity for me. But I mean, I, I have respect for Queen. I, you know, it's one of those things, I get it's not my bag, okay. but I, I, I respect them. But fair man, fair I, I think the one that really broke me was like fucking jazz. Like that horror, like I said, you know, that Mufasa song is the sound of fucking the planes flying into the Twin Towers. It's fucking yeah. horrible. You know, it's funny. I don't. Jazz is my least favorite of their early era, um, but I still like it a lot. Um, yeah, I like but, I like those fat ass bitches on the bike. So that's nice. Dead, dead on time. Dead on time. One of the heaviest Queen songs ever. ever. But uh, one of my favorite songs of all time is, is uh, "Spread Your Wings," and I love "Live Killers." You know, that's a good uh, one. Uh, there's Queen songs that I love, but overall, it's just a little too fruity for me. You know, this is coming from a guy that loves George Michael and Duran Duran and Culture Club and shit. They're just some of the shit's too Broadway for me. You know? At some point, go listen. To, give a, a serious listen to Queen Two and Sheer Heart Attack. All right, hold on, uh, uh, boss. Should I listen to Queen Two and Sheer Heart Attack? God no. <laughs> Dude, you can't do it. Sorry, Ryan. Go fuck yourself. Trust me, Ryan. <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> Queen 2, to me, is their best album. I that, love it. It's, it's is un, it is, it is but perfect. I've often said that. Queen 2 is the shit. <laughs> Good Not stuff. A, but, there, isn't a, but there isn't a bad second on Queen 2. There's an, there, but there are many elements on that album that will make Ian cringe. Because I know what Ian doesn't like about Queen, and it's all over Queen 2. All over. 
but you there's know? a lot of heavy moments in Queen too. Yeah, but he'll probably like a song or two, but he like not, like ogre battle. Yeah, he'll probably like that, but he won't like like the Black Queen is the best song on there. Oh, he definitely wouldn't like that. I don't know. Funny, funny how love is. Ian will fucking hate that shit. <laughs> I know, I know, Ian. Trust me. And Not I'm a sure fan. See, I'm sure you've seen that uh, DVD they put out a little while ago where they had uh, two different shows from the Rainbow in London. Yeah. It was from I the own, Queen 2 tour and the Sheer Heart Attack tour. That is I, God. That is I, just, own, I own those. Uh, um, it's amazing. I have them on DVD. I'm a big fan of that. I love I love Queen, dude. Up to like, the you know the game was kind of shitty, but half of it was. Pretty I, I like the game. I, I liked half of it, and I like the, the last. Lo- it's the last Queen album I love. I like that, and then uh, honestly, the one, the only one I really like after that one is Innuendo. Innuendo was a good last album. I it love was the that. Best album. thing they had done since the eighties. I love I it. Saw- I saw the Remy Malik movie where they wrote Flash in 2007. <laughs> yeah, Ian likes Flash. That shit's funny. You know what's crazy is I'm a diehard Queen fan, and I'm well aware of all the inaccuracies and timeline things about the movie, but I don't even care. I love the movie. The movie was awesome. I love it. Incredible. They did such a good job with the costumes, yeah. picking good guys to play the characters. I mean, it was brilliant. I loved it. I like all the stuff with Freddie Mercury at the Playboy Mansion. Banging <laughs> chicks. Good stuff. He was Very, at the Playgirl he was at the Playgirl Mansion. Very accurate. I'm uh, sorry. We we got off on a huge side tangent on Queen there. But getting back to I love this song in general, but specifically this was kind of like the introduction of the new kind of journey harmony sound. And that was all Roy Thomas Baker. And if you listen to all the bands he did, the Cars, Journey, Queen, you know, that's a staple of his production. A lot of layered, it's all real, but it's just layered. You know, he's doubling every guy's voice and they're doing thick harmonies and beautiful harmonies. And the thing that's cool is, it's not like every one of the bands he does all the harmonies sound the same. They're very unique. Like the Cars harmony doesn't sound anything like the Queen harmony. And and you can really hear the individual, you know, voices while it's a little overproduced and slick and polished. You can still hear the personality of those voices and those harmonies. And it's fucking awesome. Great song. And I guess I'll just take it into the next one since these songs basically bleed into each other. Anytime uh, might be my favorite Journey song of all time. Uh, Greg Rowley's voice is so cool on this song. Uh, the harmonies that got the hooks and the chorus. I mean, this is just like cotton candy, like beautiful melodies and just a great fucking hard rock pop song. Love Anytime. What do you think, uh, Ian? Oh, God. I, I love it, too. Uh and this one was actually co-written with, I don't know who the fuck Roger Silver is, but it was written with Greg Raleigh, Neil Sean, Ross Villari, Roger Silver, and Robert Fleischman. Uh, you know, and, and we did an amazing episode with Robert Fleischman on this show. One of our, our most listened to episodes, and for good reason. But you can see why, you know, if he co-wrote this one, they didn't want to kick him out of the band. Because the other song he brought to him was called Boys Are Gonna Rock. <laughs> which he eventually took to the Vinnie Vincent invasion. Uh, 
But yeah, no, the way this bleeds in together is just phenomenal. Classic. And, and you know, the, the odd thing is, and maybe Ralph would be the best one uh, to ask this question to, uh, this was uh, the third single released off the album. The first one was, actually, Lights was the third and final. Wheels in the Sky was the first one. Second time was this song. But I can't imagine hearing this without feeling that way first. Ralph, when this came out, did you hear this solo? Or did you always hear the two together? As far as my recollection, I've always heard those two songs together. I've never heard one separate from the other. It might have happened back then, but you're talking 40 plus years ago, so my memory's not that good. But I know... You know, any time and feeling that way have always been together as far as I can remember on the radio. So, I don't know. I'm not sure if they ever did play that one alone. They might have, but I don't remember that. There's a really good, uh, on YouTube, there's a really good, uh, I think it's from a TV show or something. Yeah, I've I've, I've seen that. feeling that way right into any time. It's wild. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, real good. I've, I've seen that as well. Very good. Uh, Ralph, what do you think of Anytime? Uh, I absolutely love it. It's, uh, like you said, it's kind of like we were the champions. I love when uh, in the middle, where Steven's like, Steve's like, anytime at all, oh, anytime at all. And then all the harmonies come in. And it has that kind of flange effect to the vocals. And yeah. guitar solo from Neil Sean. It's a freaking amazing tune. I absolutely love this song. What's next? La Duda? Is it La Duda? Yes. Yes. I love this song so much. You know, it's heavy. The the title's kind of misleading. You know, La Duda sounds like a, a La Duda song. But this is a heavy fucking track, man. And uh, I t- it's ripping. It's ripping. I love how Steve's voice kind of blends in with, you know, really knocks me off my feet. You know, it blends in and, oh my God, it's such an amazing, amazing song. Absolutely love it. I got to see them play this live, which was awesome. Wow. Love the song, La Duda. What do you think, Ian? Uh, yeah, this is one that, you know, I, I didn't know, of course, before the album, never heard this on the radio. And, uh, yeah, you kind of, you nailed it there. Because just seeing the title, uh, very misleading. Because it is a heavy song. Uh, fun fact, because Neil Sean is, a, you know, a Sammy Hagar apologist. Uh, he asked him what to name the song. And Neil Sean originally, or Sammy Hagar originally said, time will only tell if we stand the test of time. And he goes, what else do you got? He goes, la da da. <laughs> and and uh, they picked that. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Kick, kick-ass song, and this is one I was, like, happily, you know, like, oh, this is just a good album track. Um, you know, of, of course, it doesn't have, like, that, you know, that single sound, you know, or that chorus that, you know, catches you, but it's what was so great about the 70s is an awesome album track. And, yeah, I love I love that riff by Sean on there. It's, it's fucking incredible. Love it. What do you think, Ryan? Um, yeah, this is like, you know, the first real rocker um, that in the Perry era. 
Um, and while I don't, I usually, you know, I think he's in his power alley when he's doing the softer stuff. But for this song, it works. Um, and it's a cool, fun song. And, you know, some the band just fucking rips up the song. I mean, you, you know, it's one song that you could actually kind of take his vocals out of. The song could stand up on its own. And, and it's more of a band song than, a, than featuring him song. And they just, they kill it on the song. Some great solos and just great riffage. Um, and and if I'm pretty sure that this was like a, you know, in the, in the from the time they recorded this album for the next at least three, four tours, this was a live staple. It wasn't a single, but it was like something they always played live. Um, I know it's uncaptured. Um, but... Uh, yeah, really cool song. One of the heaviest songs on the album. I think I think uh, captured. Neil does a guitar solo during this, right? Uh, actually, no. I'm looking at now uh, Steve Smith drum solo. Oh, drum solo. That's right, drum solo. Yeah, that's what I meant. Right, Ian. That's what I meant, right, Ian? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Should have known. <laughs> but yeah, uh, way to go, big, boss. <laughs> big fan. Great song. Alright, well, why don't you take the next song, Patiently? Uh, this is uh, another just beautiful ballad. Um, God damn, I mean, I, you know, you definitely got a little old, for me at least, as they got into like the frontier years. But for those first, you know, four, five, six albums, I mean, God, this guy, I don't know if there's many guys that sing ballads better than he does. And it's, cool because you know like a lot of those other ballads it rocks at different parts of the song and there's some very cool kind of um shifts just in the music of the song i think this is a really cool just without even the great singing this is a really cool song musically um but he he just he owns the song he kills it and i fucking love it it's a beautiful ballad beautiful what are you thinking um this one was a grower out of um, I, I, I think when I initially stole this CD and put it in, you know, and listened to it, I, you know, la da da, okay. And then it came to this, I was like, eh, you know, and I probably put it in like Lynch Mob or something. Um, but, uh, you know, it's famous for being the first song written by Neil Sean and, and Steve Perry. Uh, but yeah, definitely grown on me. It, it's not my favorite ballad on here. But I've definitely grown to uh, love it. But I, I don't know. Then again, I could change my whole opinion on this based on what uh, the boss thinks of patiently. <laughs> boss? No, I'm not too far behind you, though. I do love this song, but I do have a problem with it. I do not... Uh, it's not like I hate it, but I don't think it was necessary to put that one, one in a million... Well, I don't think it, that was... Th this song could have been better without that. Now, I, I, actually, I actually love that song. I, I, I do like it, but I don't think it's good. No, you don't. No, no you no. don't, Brian. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you don't. No, no, you ever no. want to get back on this show again, goddammit? <laughs> My point is that one in a million is fine, but it sounds so much better than another song. Not this one, because this is a beautiful song. And I love the, the the flow of it, everything of it. And then that comes in, and I'm like, this is good. 
but I don't think it fits this song. Right, Ian? Correct, boss. Right again. Spot on. You are uh, correct, sir. Rocket Rexor. <laughs> All right. I'll flip the album over. <coughs> uh, there, yeah, Wheels in the Sky. What a classic. Yeah, um, absolutely love this song. Uh, love everything about it. It's, it is hard rocking, you know, to an extent with some beautiful and jolly vocals. Great guitar solo and uh, just uh, this is a slamming song. Absolutely love it and, it and it deserves to be played out on the radio. Another song I never get sick of, but I don't listen to radio, so what do I know? What do you think, uh, Ryan? Did, believe it or not, this was actually the first Journey song I ever heard. Um, and it was funny because, like, me and my brother heard this. There was, like, a live version in the very early years of MTV that they would play this. And we saw it, and we really liked it, but we didn't really act on it. We didn't, you know, we were so young. We had so few albums at that time. We didn't. By the way, Ryan, not to cut you off, but that is from a Japanese show. That is so amazing. It's awesome, and it's really live. I have that, yeah, I have that full show, and on that show, they do some of that early stuff with Greg Rowling. They throw that on the set list. That's that's like the greatest live journey show when they play Japan. I chink it rocks. Great show. (laughs) Right again, boss. (laughs) But, um, yeah, that... um, one of the coolest things about the beginning of MTV is there were so few actual videos that they had that a lot of the shit that they played was just live shit. It was just, um, like I remember Billy Squire's first couple uh, videos were just live versions of his songs. And like, you know, bands in that era, sometimes that's all you saw on MTV until at least, you know, 80, you know, 283. It was really good stuff because it was before 1984. Exactly. The Apex! <laughs> and this is another one that Fleischman has a co-writer, which is actually pretty interesting. But this song rules. Um, it's so unique. It's so different. Uh, one of the heavier songs on the album. I never know what the actual wheel of the sky is, but um, it's a really fucking cool song. And, you know, one of their bigger hits, but never gets old for me. Uh, very cool. Great riff. Sean Solo's on this fucking awesome He's, a, he's an incredible guitar player. He's a douche, but he's an incredible guitar player. You know, he's a prodigy. I mean, Jesus, he was, like, playing with Santana when he was, like, 18. Um, but uh, amazing. Love Wheel in the Sky. Yeah. Uh, um, before you, uh, go, before okay. you go to it, Ian, I don't know what Wheel in the Sky means either, but, Ian, I command you to tell me what it means. Uh well, it's much easier to understand if you know what this song transformed into. Um, because this does have a co-write from Robert Fleischman uh, and would fully be utilized in the Vinnie Vincent Vasion song, Shoot You Full of Love. Uh, <laughs> which makes a lot more sense than Wheel in the Sky. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. But uh, I, I love this track. And it's another one of those... Like, this, this is nothing that I would go into my, you know, phone with hundreds of thousands of songs and go, oh, I'm going to listen to this. But, man, when you listen to this shit in the context of the album, and it, it just fucking kicks ass. 
you can see why it was the first single. Uh, amazing track, written with Neil Sean, Robert Fleischman, and Diane Valerie, which uh, I can only guess is Ross's wife. Uh, you can't tell them apart because they both have horrible acne scars, uh, you know, and the same bad haircut. But incredible, incredible fucking song. But then we'll go into what is my favorite song on the album, as long as Boss says it's okay, uh, which I got a feeling he's not going to. Uh, something to Hide. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, it's funny, uh, Ralph and I did an episode years and years and years ago about, you know, songs that can almost, you know, make us cry. You know, and he talked about that song off of uh, uh, Queens or Queensryche and uh, Daniel by Elton John. This is one that can get me. I mean, holy fuck! Uh, just the singing and the way uh, Perry hits those falsettos and the you got you know oh the way he does that and Neil Sean's guitar is basically like crying in this this is this is the sound of getting cheated on and it's it's heart-wrenching but it's it's fucking beautiful and this is one i did not discover to years later because i think i did give up on this you know the cd copy i had once it hit patiently and i already knew wheels in the sky i'm like okay i'm done i'm done um but this is one that came up when i loaded this album on my phone when I load the digital copy up, it just came up on a on a shuffle. Because I'll, I'll do that. I always load up full albums, but I'll put it on shuffle, and then if something hits me, I'll listen to the full album. And when this came on, I was like, oh, my God. Uh, just perfect. By far my favorite fucking track on the album. A song that probably nobody knows. Uh, but I, I just think it hits on all points. What do you think, Ryan? Uh, I agree with you. Favorite song in the album. And what's so cool about this song to me, I told you guys at the beginning of the episode that I didn't ever own this album until I had a vinyl two years ago. And this was one of the only songs in the album that I had never heard before. And I was obsessed with it. I was literally like picking the needle up and putting it back at the beginning of the song to listen to it again. I was like, holy shit, how have I never heard this song? Um, incredible. Again, it's ballad it's most of this album is ballads but um it's incredible it's beautiful um sean does a really cool thing in the uh in different parts of the song where he just follows the melody of what perry's singing with his leads where he's doing oh you're gonna make me cry right now you bitch okay it's just following perry's lead vocal and it's interesting as a guy, I'm not a guitarist. I mean, I, I play guitar, but I'm a fucking horrendous guitarist. But I, I think I played enough to know that, like, you know, when a guy's coming up with a solo, there always is that opportunity to just kind of follow the melody of, of the song or the, or the lead vocal. But um, it's, you know, most guitarists would like to do something a little more, you know, to make it a little more interesting, switch it up or whatever, do something just that has nothing to do with the main melody of the song. But Sometimes guitarists do it and it works perfectly, and this is a great example of that. Where yeah, he, not 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 to cut you off, brother, but I'm gonna. 
but yeah, I think it's totally an example of serving the song. Yep. And and knowing when to step out of the fucking way. And just well, yeah, play, it's like him saying, know, "God damn, that's a great vocal melody." I'm just right, playing. you know. And I talked about that in our last episode, uh, you know, with with Peter Green from Fleetwood Mac. You know, and sometimes it's not showing off what you can do. It's just like you know, going along with the vocal and then leaving the silence where you need it and hitting the notes where they're needed. And and, and this is just a perfect example of that. And I, I think it's much more powerful. By, by taking it simple. Yeah, and I mean, every part of the song works. Like, I love the regular part of the verse. The chorus is amazing. Uh, the guitar is amazing. It's just, it was such a, it's so cool to find, like, a hidden gem. You know, I've been, a, you know, again, a casual Journey fan for years. Didn't know this song until two years ago. And it's my favorite song on the album. It's probably it's a lot to do with the newness of the song, but uh, absolutely love it. Uh, what do you think, Ralph? Oh, yeah. Fucking awesome. It's an amazing song, actually. Fucking badass. And I love how uh, Steve does that. I know. That, that, oh, my God. This song is godly. But I have to correct both of you. The next song is the best song on the album. Now you know. Wind of March is... Not only the best song on the album, it's the greatest Journey song ever written in the history of Journey. This song is epic as fuck. Mellow, but that middle section is godly. The way it gets all funky and heavy. And and then Steve hitting those amazingly high notes that he, ever, he doesn't do until he does Mother and Father on Escape. I mean, insane high notes with You Are My Child. Winds of March. Oh my God, what an amazing, greatest song on the album, right, Ian? Uh, this is where I get fired, boss. <laughs> <laughs> he just said the last song was his favorite. No, uh, no. shit. Looking for a new job. Hello. <laughs> All right, uh, I'll take this one. Uh, this is one I was. Again, um, you know, this was like listening to the album all over again. Well, well really for the first time. Uh, something to Hide was something that I discovered, you know, through Shuffle. Uh, but I think this is probably the first time, and even though I did it three times, because that's something else we got to mention here. This album, this is why Ralph is right about the 70s fucking ruling. This was recorded between October and December of 77 released january 20th of 78 and this motherfucker is only 36 minutes and 28 seconds god damn that's how you fucking do it and, oh, then, you yeah. go, and then you go do another on the next fucking year as soon as you get off fucking tour um but anyway getting back to the song when this one started out i already knew uh from ralph talking about this that this was his favorite song i was like oh i I gotta check that out, you know? It's gotta be pretty fucking good if it's his favorite, you know? And I knew Ralph and I liked the same era of uh, Journey. Uh, and I like him even more than Ralph, so I was like, okay, I'm probably gonna love this one. When it started out, I was like, ugh. What the, what the fuck is this? This is written with Matt Sean, 
who I don't know who the fuck that is, his little brother, his older brother, Neil Sean, Robert Fleischman, uh, Greg Raleigh, and Steve Perry. I don't hate this song, but I do not like the beginning of it. To me, it's kind of like uh, too ballady. But when it kicks into the fucking, like, the second half of the song and the solo, I think it's fucking amazing. I mean, really fucking good. But the first half does nothing for me. That's why Something to Hide will still be my favorite. I like the song, but only the second half. What do you think, Ryan? Um, I love it. I mean, it, it, I, it wouldn't say it's my, one of my favorites on the album, but it, it's, I think it's probably Sean's biggest showcase on the album. You're both fired. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, can it's I, only five minutes. Can I get unemployment? Four, <laughs> it's only five minutes and four seconds, but it kind of has like one kind of an epic feel to it, you know, like, you know, it has a lot of different moments, a lot of different ups and downs in the song, but uh, love it. I mean, I, honestly, I mean, spoiler, we're already at song eight of the album. There's not a song in this album I don't like. Um, but, uh, yeah, Winds of March is awesome. Great song. Alright, we'll take the next song, Can Do. Can Do. Alright, I don't want to make it sound like I don't like this song, because I do, but it, if I had to pick a worse song in the album, this is probably it. This is, it's a fun song, you know, 239, it's uh, you know, kind of a poppy, kind of catchy uh, chorus. Uh, heavy the rest of the song, but then it gets, you know, this little kind of quirky, poppy chorus. I like it. I, I, I like it. Don't love it. If I had to say a worse song in the album, this is probably it. What do you think, Ian? Uh, can't do without it. Uh, not horrible, but it kind of, uh, they kind of lost me with this one. This is written with Steve Perry and Ross Villari. Uh, and I love Ross and, and his fucking goddamn uh, Brian Adams pock face face. Um, <laughs> wish he was still in the band. But uh, yeah, I, I, I could do without this. It's all right. There's a certain, like, I don't know, there's a little bit of heaviness to it uh, that I can appreciate. But as far as the song goes, it's kind of like, I don't know. This could have. I don't even know if I'd call it a B-side because I don't think it's even worthy of a B-side. But this is a throwaway track. I think shouldn't have made it past uh, the final stages. <laughs> no, no pun intended. Or final stages. Who the fuck was that? That was some other fucking AOR band. Anyway, uh, yeah, not a fan. What do you think, boss? Well, I gotta agree with you guys. Uh, this is my least favorite song on the album. I wouldn't skip it, but. If it came on my iPod Shuffle, I might. Uh, I would like to listen to the song in the context of the album. Yep. It's definitely not a standalone song. I wouldn't like to hear this on my Shuffle. I would skip it. Uh, though I don't dislike it, but it's definitely, without a doubt, my least favorite on the album. We're all on the same page. Yeah. The last song is called Open the Door, right? Yep. Yes. All right. This song... Is gorgeous, but I have a problem with this one as well. Like patiently, I don't like that. Oh, she opened up the door. Yeah, she opened. I think what they should have done is cut that part out and just the mellow part of Steve going. Oh, she opened up the door. She made my life. Keep it mellow all the way through. I don't like that heaviness. 
but I don't mind that heaviness in the context at the end of the song, where they're not doing when they're going down, 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 down. I like that without singing. So I don't like it before where they're doing open the door stuff. But everything else about the song, <laughs> and I love the way Steve croons on this. It's a great song with a section I don't like. All right. All right. Um, this one I'm just kind of into. I've listened to the album, like I said, I, you know, before we did the review, I did three times. And this is the one I have the hardest uh, time remembering. Because I, 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 you know, I'm like, I'm going to pull a route. I'm not even going to fucking take notes. I'm just going to listen to this shit. And I can't remember this fucking song. And I, I know it didn't bother me as much as can do, but it didn't stick out enough for me to remember. Like, you know, where Ralph's saying the party doesn't like. I can't even remember the parts I don't like because I just can't remember it. But, uh, you know, some of that could be, I'm just so in love with something to hide that that's kind of where it ends to me for, <laughs> you know. Uh, so not not horrible, but not, you know, not great. What do you think? Uh, I love it. Um, you know, not like a top like two or three song in the album, but I love it. I, mean, I agree with Ralph on the fact that it's just kind of a beautiful song. The melodies, um, again, with the vocal melodies with Perry are amazing, but also there's some, you know, just like soaring, like, you know, uh, great solos by Sean on this. Uh, just a great guitarist, man. I mean, he, he plays with feel. Um, you know, and their prime, and this is their prime to me. You know, he was one of the better guitarists of the 70s. Um, and he, his feel is all over this song. Uh, love it. Um, and I, and it, I'm not a, a, uh, an employee of the company, so I can disagree with the boss. I love the partner. You do not like him. So, again, <laughs> second time we've disagreed, Ralph, goddamn you. I'm firing. I'm firing Ian because you said that, Ryan. Yeah, yeah. Really enjoyed your last appearance on this show, Ryan. Yep. If that's how, it, that's how it's going to be, that's how it's going to be. Your last appearance too, Ian. Ah, shit. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's a great way to close the album. It's, it's a good closer, and it's like most of this album. I mean, literally, like I think if I'm looking at the whole album. You got like six songs that you could borderline call a ballad. Um, and I'm fine with that because, again, Ian, you've talked about this over and over again on episodes over the years of the podcast. It's like there is a significant difference between try-hard ballads where you're like just writing to write a ballad and right. just a naturally written ballad. And Actually, I, th I, I think Ralph said that first. I just copied. <laughs> <laughs> but you can tell this album in particular a lot of ballads on it, but they work and they sound real and they sound, they have soul, they have feel, they have, you know, awesome guitar on them and it works. You know, this is a very mellow album overall, but God damn, I found myself just listening to this album over and over again since I kind of discovered the, the album as a whole piece. Like the thing that's interesting, like I said earlier, Captured has, I think at least six songs from this album on it so i knew most of the album the songs i didn't know was something to hide 
uh, Can Do and Open Door. Those are the only, Open the Door. Those are the only three songs I didn't know. Winds of March is not uncaptured, but I had heard it. Um, the, rest, the rest of the album I had heard, so I was familiar with the album, but when you listen to this album in an album context, it's even better than the individual songs. It really has a great kind of feel in the running order. I think it's spaced out well. Um, and it's just, you know, to, to wrap it up, it's, it's my easily my favorite Journey album and a really well-produced, really well-performed album. Awesome. Well, that is our review of the Fourth Studio album from Journey Infinity, released January 20th, 1978. It has since gone triple platinum, produced by Roy Thomas Baker. And, uh, yeah, man, this was a fun one to do, and uh, nice to do some journey on here, and journey that we all, for the most part, agree upon. But, uh, Ralph, you know what time it is. Well, hold on. No, no, actually, I want to do something that we've never done before. Oh, shit. I got got news at the end of our review. An extra news article. Okay. All right, first, let me set it up. As you know, I am a KISS nerd. I am not a KISS twat. I am a KISS nerd. Yes. And I find it hysterical that the KISS twats are going crazy over this. And I personally think it rules. KISS, not some other person, not some bootleg, but KISS is now selling a bootleg-looking shirt that has Tommy Thayer and Eric Singer on it, and it says on the bottom, World Tour 1977. Kiss is, sell- Kiss is selling this. And the Kiss Twats are losing their mind. I'm actually laughing. You know, it's like, out of all the fucked up shit Kiss has done through their career, this is going to offend you? Come on, this is peanuts. They actually released a shirt, all four of them, with, you know, Gene, Paul, Eric, and Tommy, and it says 1977 tour on it. What do you guys think of that? Well, I, I wouldn't buy it, but I think what would be awesome is if they had like like an unmasked shirt that just had like, you know, Ace, Gene and Paul, and then Anton Fig just standing there with no makeup. Like I would buy a I would buy a bootleg of that. You know, you know, I have somebody made a, 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 a the album cover of Dynasty with Anton's face instead of Peter with no makeup on, it's awesome. That's I, I, I've I've seen a uh, I've seen a copy of Dynasty that has all of them except Peter, and then it, it has a picture of good drumming. <laughs> Even more rare. What do you think of this, Ryan? Does this disturb you? I, I just wish that we could have put a teaser in the first ten minutes of the episode and say we're going to talk about Kiss two and a half hours. Yeah, <laughs> that would have kept a lot of the fucking more. Yeah, yeah. All the kiss squats would still be listening. <laughs> it would definitely pump up listens. But, but seriously, it's hysterical seeing all these posts of these people that are mad about it. It's like you know, you know. I gotta say, and this happened to me about a year ago. I actually said to myself, I am upset over a guy wearing clown makeup. <laughs> you know, like, like, you know, I'm all upset about Tommy Thayer and, and, and Eric Singer. I'm so upset over that. And then I think to myself, but there was a clown. Ma- Why the fuck am I upset about this shit? I mean, Kiss is, look, 
Kiss is just to me like, you know, not to say they're as great as this band, but to me, they're like Led Zeppelin. They're dead. They're no longer around. Uh, to me, the legacy of Kiss, definitely 70s. That shit's the greatest shit ever. Kiss is dead. They can't do that no more. So whatever Kiss has done, silly, I don't get mad about it no more. You know why? Because they're dead to me. I, I, I love Kiss. I'll always love Kiss, but I'm not going to love this current Kiss because it's not Kiss to me. And honestly, I would love to wear that shirt just to piss off these cards. <laughs> and I don't, uh, well, I, I don't agree with the shirt, but I would love to wear it. I wouldn't buy it, but I would love to wear it. Well, I, I think to, to, to boost uh, ratings for this episode, I'm going to put that we're reviewing Kiss Alive 5, the bonus tracks. <laughs> Hey, I listened, I literally listened to Dress to Kill on vinyl start to finish last night. And I'll do that for the rest of my life. But like Ralph said, it's dead. It's over. I, I yeah. Ralph, like, Kiss isn't even a thing to me anymore. I don't care. I, and like, I think the Sink and Stanley stuff is funny as fuck. Um, and when Sink and Stanley says, listen, it makes me laugh every time. But um, yeah, I'm done with Kiss. They're not a band. Dress to Kill is a phenomenal. Oh, I, it, it might be my, it, it probably right behind Hotter Than Hell, my favorite. Dude, what Peter Chris does on Dress to Kill, got that right there proves to me who the best drummer in Kiss ever was. And I also have to admit, it plays a very like sentimental role. In it, my dad worked in New York City, and I lived in a little suburb in New York City, in the north, close to where you live. Weren't, weren't you in like Austin or Terrytown? Yeah, I lived in Terrytown. Okay, yeah, I, I, I lived in Briarcliff for 10 years, um, which is a neighboring town of Terrytown. Nice. No, uh, I was born in Terrytown. My dad uh, worked in the city, and every birthday when I was like seven, eight, nine, ten, he would, on my birthday, he'd say, I will stop by Sam Goody and get you an album. And the first one I ever remember him doing that was dressed to kill and I already had Kiss Alive. It was the only album I had by Kiss. And then I was like, all right, that has rock and roll all night on it. So let me see what the rest of the album is about. So, and I love the cover. So I got it. And to this day, I mean, I just, again, there definitely is some sentimental, you know, value in there. But God damn, I love that album. And it, it, I hadn't listened to it in a little while, like start to finish. And it was so fun to listen to. I, 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 I visit 70s Kiss so much all my life though all my life i've never i've never waned my love for early kiss i'm oh no, i haven't either i always i've always loved it and will continue to love it that gene and paul do everything to, for, for, for ruin it. look it ruined it for ian but it didn't ruin it for me man i still love that early shit with a passion and i play it all the fucking time no hey, hey. i think like honestly like a lot of these bands that we loved when we were kids piss us off as the years go on. But, like, you're only hurting yourself if you stop listening to the shit that you actually loved. I mean, I'm not going to stop listening to Kiss Alive 1 because I hate Paul Stanley now. That, that, that album is, like, seminal to me. I mean, it's it's huge to me. It is such a big part of my life. I'm never going to stop listening to that album. I'm never going to stop listening to Dress to Kill. Just because hey. they're douchebags now. And the same thing with like Motley Crue. Like Motley Crue's a fucking laughing stock joke now, but I'm never gonna stop listening to Shout at the Devil and MC ninety four ever. Man, I recently discovered the greatness of Too Young to Fall in Love. 
always loved the song, but man, hearing it the other day and hearing Vince go, you know, not yet a man, just a punk in the street. And then he goes, yeah, that shit's like awesome, like Jeff Beard. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love that inflection that Vince put. I think Vince sounds amazing on Shout of the Devil. I love his voice on that album. It's Absolutely. Unbelievably great. One of my favorite albums of all time. It's an awesome album. Hey, Kiss had me at the street giveth and the street taketh away. You know. <laughs> that was that uh, that was after 1984, Ian. Guys, what a no, shit song. No, not a fan. No. Garbage. There's no blind justice. Hey, danger you, danger Russ. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's go into Pick of the Week. And Ryan, since you are a special guest, why don't you take your first Pick of the Week? All right, I am going to give uh, a band that I know Ian loves. I don't know if Ralph likes I don't think he dislikes him, but I don't know if he's a fan. Just bought it on vinyl today. I've had it uh, digital forever, but I finally got it on vinyl. Uncle Acid and the Deadbeats Blood. Oh, nice. Uh, their second album, love it. Um, and actually, I picked this album in particular, not only because I got it on vinyl, but I also wanted to just take an opportunity being um, with you guys for the first time in a couple of years to talk about Donnie Allen, who was a huge, Huge yes, Uncle Acid fan. Yes, and me and him went back and forth on Uncle Acid all the time. He was such a good dude. He was he was one of the original OGs on the Facebook page. Um, such a good dude, and I know Ian got to actually spend time with him. Um, yeah. But I never met him in person. But uh, literally, like instant messages all the time, just you know, outside of the Facebook conversation and everything. And I was just like, I didn't know he was sick or anything. When I heard he was gone, it was just such a bummer, you know, and it's, it's pretty cool, you know, for all the ways we shit on social media, you do end up making genuine friends on social media, at least I have, you know, Edwin Canestrachi and Johnny Bogan and you guys, like, I haven't met any of you guys in person, but I consider you guys all friends. Donnie Allen was one of those guys, and he, me and him yes. went back and forth on Uncle Acid all the time. And uh, love this band. I've seen this band live like five times now. If you haven't heard them or seen them, check out their albums. I would probably tell you to start with EP, which like is growing and growing with me. Like I didn't hear their EP until I had already heard three of their other albums. But like, goddamn, I love their EP. So, and it's readily available now, where it wasn't like five or six years ago. Um, I would just start with the EP and, and go forward because this band, moderate, they're easily my favorite band of like the 2010s. Um, not many new bands I've seen five times, and they're one of them. And their albums are great, their live shit, their live shows are amazing, and Uncle Acid Rules. Hell yeah, man. Dave Bless, Donnie Allen, Dave Bless, Uncle Acid, and Deadbeats, and. Uh... Yeah, you brought up a good point, man. That's one that's really, and I don't talk about it as much as it's on my mind, man. But, but Donnie passing, man, it was really, really rough, and uh, that's why when I met Jason McMaster from Dangerous Toys, you know, I, I even had to tell him during the interview, you know, it's like, 
I knew he wouldn't know what the fuck I was talking about, but it didn't matter, you know, because I knew what that night with Donnie meant to me. You know, Donnie's a great dude, man. I, I love. Yeah, that. and we had we had such a fucking good time seeing that show and just how thankful he was. You know, he's like, oh man, I wouldn't even know this band if I wasn't for you. And, and man, we had such a good time. And then drive around afterwards and listen to fucking cock rock and shit. And he was just a really good dude. And you brought up a great point, man. We meet, you know, there, there's so many weirdos on Facebook and there's so many awesome people. And, uh, but to me, the awesome people way, way outweigh, you know, the freaks and the weirdos that you meet. Um, uh, you know, this this show attracts all fucking kinds. And Ralph and I have dealt with plenty of different fucking personalities. But we've also met, you know, lifelong friends. And, you know, and in the case with you, I mean, we haven't physically met you yet. Because you won't drag your ass to Rockin' Pod. But when you do, you know, we, you know, add you to the One of these list. years. Yes. Uh, but no, man, he's great dude. And, uh... I want to do everything to keep his memory alive. He's one of those, you know, I, I got uh, I got messages from Donnie. And I, I'm, I'm like weird about like, I always delete text and shit like that, you know, and I, I won't delete Donnie's stuff, you know, so I can always look at different conversations we had and shit, you know, and he was a really special dude and loved, loved all eras of fucking metal and, and was passionate about it. And, and to get an old metal head like him into a band like that you know i felt great about that not only because i love sharing music with people but just you know every once in a while it gets through to somebody and somebody enjoys something the way you enjoy it and it it's just really special and i'm glad you brought him up and love uncle acid great great pick of the week yeah i i love man i you know again i i you know you two both know how much i love you guys but like I just love the community that you guys created. I mean, again, so many people that I've never met in person. You know, the crazy thing is the only RMCG, like, OG that I've ever met in person was Justin Childers. And I had a good time with him. We saw each other at M3. And then, like, three months later, I told him I don't like Donald Trump, and he blocked me, and I've never seen him again. So if Justin Childers, if you're still listening, uh, yeah, stop the block shit. We, we don't have to agree on politics. Uh, open it up. I, I have nothing against you. I, uh, it's ridiculous to me that you would do that, but uh, come on. It, it's not that big a deal. He, he blocked Ralph for eating ass, you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. Is he, like, active at all anymore? Because he blocked me, so I can't see. No, no, he is active, but... Yeah, uh, yeah he's on my I don't like Donald Trump, so I'm alive. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, Ralph, you got one, or you want me to go first? It's the only time it's okay to say Ian before Ralph, motherfucker. Pick of the week. <laughs> All right, well, my pick of the week uh, is inspired by you, Mr. Ryan T. Russell. Uh because originally this was going to be a Beatles episode, I went with what's tied for my favorite Beatles solo album. And it's it's really hard because I go back and forth between these two, in my mind, perfect fucking albums. Uh, but this week I'm going with the debut solo album from Mecca, Mr. Paul McCartney. 
and that is McCartney. And wow, is, is this one fucking killer. Um, you know, I mean, it has the hit that everybody knows. Maybe I'm amazed. And, and that is like one of the greatest fucking songs of all time. But to me, this album is all about songs like Mama Miss America, you know, and, uh, you know, even Junk and Teddy Boy. And I mean, I just love this fucking album. And as much as I love Plastic Ono Band, uh, I don't know, just on day of the week, it could be one or two. But this is what I strongly, strongly recommend you go listen to. The first album from Paul McCartney, simply titled McCartney. That is my pick of the week. That's Great awesome. album. I, I love that first McCartney album, but I want to stress to everybody, don't listen to it. Fuck you. Yeah, yeah. Don't know what I'm talking about. What do you got? No, boss? no, no. I, you do know what you're talking about, but I'm still telling people not to listen to your awesome pick of the week. Oh, and we talked about it earlier, and one of you guys said, I can't remember, I'm seven bourbons in now, so I can't remember which, but you said it's awesome that Alice Cooper's still doing 24, 25 songs in a set, which I agree with 100%. But, dude, I have seen Paul McCartney, I think, four, maybe five times in the last six, seven years. Well, nah, probably the last 10 years. But... That motherfucker, he could go up there with the ridiculous price of tickets and all that and play for an hour and 15 minutes. And 95% of that audience walk out of there and say, I just saw Beatle, I just saw Paul McCartney, I'm happy as shit, he played a bunch of hits, and they'd be happy. Paul is 82, I think. And I just saw him last year at Giant Stadium. Well, I don't even think it's called Giant Stadium anymore, but it'll always be Giant Stadium for me in New Jersey. He play, and as always, I mean, every show I've ever seen him do, he plays for fucking three hours and he plays like 35 songs. Like, Paul McCartney is God to me now, whether he ever plays another note of music. But if you didn't need any more fucking proof, the fact that the guy is 82 and he's still playing three hour shows. Paul McCartney is God rules. Uh, sorry, I just had to say that. Well, that pales in comparison to Ralph's pick of the week, the third saw album from Gary Richrath. <laughs> he's only had he's only had one solo album. Oh, he did. <laughs> okay. All right, my pick of the week, and this is a weird one, because i it's a band I've heard of all my life, but I've never listened to them, and if I did, it went in one ear and out the other. But I want to give out to somebody that's not listening now. His name is Jacob Smith. And Jacob Smith has turned me on to some cool shit. I mean, the most weirdest thing he turned me on to was Gentle Giant, because that's like music I wouldn't like, and I ended up loving it. But here's one that I was like, he made me do a track by track with a band called, and I know you guys heard them. Maybe you know their music. I don't know, but I'm sure you've heard of them. They're called Wishbone Ash. You know who that is? I've Wish- heard, heard of them, but I don't know. Yeah. Them. All right, Wishbone Ash. They, I mean, the thing I heard about Wishbone Ash back in the day, they were the first band to have the dual guitar playing solo stuff. You know, that Priest later did. But anyway, I'm going to pick the 1974 album that he asked me to do. Which was, it's called There's the Rub, which is a stupid name for, 
And even stupider album cover, it's like you see pants and a guy holding an apple. I don't know. But the album, not impressed. Not impressed, yeah. But uh oh I'm looking right now. It's recording criteria studios. I did not know that. Uh but it's an awesome album. I love the song Silver Shoes and uh, hometown. I mean, it has a lot of good stuff on here, man. You know, it's not, they're not metal in any way, but it's some good fucking music. I dig it. So that is my pick of the week. Wishbone Ash with There's the Rub. Awesome. Well, I will check that out. Uh, they are one of those bands that, uh, you know, I've always heard good shit about, but never heard. So I will definitely check that out. Yeah, it's good. That song's good. All right, well, now it's time to go into Fan of the Week, and the Fan of the Week is here, and God damn it, uh, did, you, you just want to talk about sometimes how shit just works out. Like, you know, some of these fan episodes have been pushed back because either we didn't like the album or there's scheduling issues because it's a guest one, and this is one that was simply, it, it was only pushed back because I knew how easy it would go. And it went even easier than I thought. This guy stepped up literally hours before we recorded, changed it away, like, okay, let's do this album. Ryan, you have been here for so long and such a great fan and a great guest on this episode. And I really, where I'm really going to suck your dick right now <laughs> is you are so good on this show. And we've had a lot of people who, you know, you know, listeners who have started their own podcasts, some some to really good, well, I shouldn't say some to really good success, but but some are successful and some, some that aren't. But I think you are so talented and every appearance you've made on here. Um, I love that you're articulate, you don't drone, you have a good voice. And I really think, like, out of all our listeners, like, somebody I think who should start a podcast, I think you would be a great candidate because you always add a lot and, and just a very natural flow. And it, it's a win-win because not only are you a great fan of the show, but you are a great guest. And I just wanted to thank you for everything you've done, saving the day-to-day, being flexible, you know, what you've added to the show. I, I think you do an amazing job, brother. Oh, dude, that's the biggest compliment you could have ever given me. Um, I believe me, I have thought many. Oh, I like your dick too. I like those dick pics you sent me. Keep them coming. <laughs> uh, I have thought many times of doing my own YouTube thing, or but uh, I have four kids. Now, now three of the four of them are out of the house now, so I am definitely freeing up time that I didn't have. Yeah, to and, and someday and, I will. But and two of them are yours, you know. <laughs> But uh, just uh, always a blast to be on with you guys. I, I would do it any night, and, and it was perfect timing tonight. Again, not that I'm like Mr. Social, but you know, most Saturday nights I'm doing something, going out to dinner with my wife or whatever. But um, you caught me on a Saturday night where I had literally nothing planned, and like when I saw your message, I was like, oh, dude, I was like, I'm gonna do an episode tonight with the boys. I was like, it's been a couple years. I was like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> Um, but you know, love you guys. Uh, I wanted to say one thing uh, off RMCP and onto Ralph's YouTube page. Ralph did a YouTube. Uh, I want to say like six months ago, where 
a Black Crows album got thrown in there. And I know yeah. Ian likes Black Crows. And I worship Black Crows. I mean, I've seen Black Crows. The only band I've seen more than the Black Crows is Cheap Trick. I've seen Cheap Trick uh, 26, 27, 28 times, somewhere in that ballpark. But I've seen the Black Crows 22, 23 times. And I think, was it was it uh, Southern Harmony, Ralph, that you did like as somebody paid you to do an episode? Uh, it was... Like, it was the first two, and I like the second one more. I think. Oh, the second, second one is definitely better. It's my favorite Black Crows album. But I was, Rob, I can't even describe to you like the joy I had when you were doing that, and you were like, you know, this is a band I've shit on my entire life. And again, so much respect that you could like a band that you didn't know much of, but the little you knew, you hated. That you know, you listen to an album, and you're like, holy shit, I actually like this. Yeah, um, the joy I had in that because of how big a black rose that was. Well, I don't, I don't mean to piss on your parade, Ryan, but back when I didn't like them, they did suck, right, Ian? <laughs> yeah, not a fan. Bad era. It wasn't until I realized they were good is when they became good. But yeah. Back then, that those same songs that I like now, they suck back then. But now I give it my approval, right, Ian? <laughs> yes, sir. I, I, and I'll tell you what, right? This this was a fun a, a, a fun phone call because I, I I get one from Ralph. He's like, "Oh, you're gonna love this shit." I was like, "Oh, what happened now? <laughs> what happened now on the Facebook page?" He goes, "No." He goes, "I had to listen to Black Crows." He goes, "That was some good shit. I like it." And I was like, "Oh my god." He goes, "He goes, yeah." He goes, "I had to tell you first, you son of a bitch." He goes. That was a good, and I and I felt the same way. I was like, oh, my God. Because I do. I, I, I mean, not just because my job depends on it. But I Ralph, do. Ralph, if, like, if you like Southern Army, listen to Amorica, you'll like I did. I, I did. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I did listen to it. I enjoyed yeah, Amorica's my favorite. Yeah. yeah Amorica, uh, to me, Amorica and Southern Harmony are neck and neck. They're, they're kind of like, they're almost like a rubber soul revolver. Like, you know, yeah. They were back to back, and they were both perfect. I saw them the Morica tour before uh, the album even came out. They did a bunch of little club shows. Uh, yeah, I went to one. I went to one, and I couldn't get in. Me yeah, and my I called like something like the the Jubilee band, like the yep. Jubilee band, and yep. uh, they announced it the day of the show that at the TLA, or no, not TLA. I'm sorry, Trocadero in Philly. Where uh, Five Man Acoustical Jam Tesla was recording, they were doing an unannounced show, and me and my buddies went down, stayed in line for like literally four hours, got in. It was one of the best concerts I've ever seen. It was a tiny theater where crows were at the peak of their popularity, and they were unbelievable. Um, but uh, yeah, a huge crows fan. Um, I uh, love that Ralph actually digs a little bit of the crust. Oh, yeah, I really did enjoy those albums. Uh, I, I'm not going to lie, man. I'm no poser, bitch. I can sit here and talk how bad about all these fucking bands, but if I listen to one of these bands I hate and end up liking it, I'm going to admit it, man. I'm I love that. Admit it. Look, you know, you know what song I fucking love? This will prove how I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks. I love that song, 
tell me why from the back. Very catchy, boss. Very catchy. That that Backstreet Boys song is awesome. And I'm proud to say that. Now, if anybody disapproves, cool. Fuck you. I don't care. Whatever. (laughs) Oh, you're wrong for liking it? No, no, no. Your mom's wrong for stopping and sucking my dick. All right? That's right on, Ralph. No guilty pleasures. If you like it, you like it. Exactly. Look, look. It's not a guilty pleasure if it gives me pleasure. Period. There's no such thing as guilty pleasure. If it gives no. me pleasure, I love it. And, Ralph, another thing we agree on, Abba is amazing. amazing. A fucking amazing band. You know, something that, you know, I don't have one friend, not one friend in real life that likes Abba. Not one. Not one that likes Oasis. Not one. Does that matter to me? No. I have people like Chuck Charles that I can talk to about Oasis online. You know, sporadic people from around the world I can talk about bands I like that all my friends don't like. It's cool. The the fact that all my friends hate ABBA and Oasis, it's cool. I still love them the same. ABBA is good shit. All she wants is another baby. I love it. Give me more. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this awesome episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, come back next week where chances are somebody picked a fear album, but we'll still tell enough of your mama jokes to make it worth your while. Right here on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast.